0: Excitement, electricity, and the Russian Mafia Oh, Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life Watches a Marvel movie or TV show And then quizzes another comedian A second comedian A backup <laughs> comedian This one is a veritable Marvel expert This comedian was taught to read with Marvel Comics Hello folks and welcome to the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode of your favourite Marvel podcast It's that MVM cast My name's Rob Holden, I'm your, I'm your, one of your co-hosts and I'm the Marvel expert part of the equation And I'm joined as ever by a man who is not just powered by ignorance But he's got it on a goddamn t-shirt, it's Mr Will
1: Preston Hello yes, it's great to be your backup host uh, Ready to give you my kidneys <clears throat> if you need them
0: that you know what i think my kidneys are going to go at some point i just i've done an awful lot of boozing in my life i think kidneys liver i don't know it's a race to the end really oh, well
1: mine are plump and sober and oh, i don't know if oh. they're the same blood type but man
0: squishy squishy they are the yeah, best so sure they'll, they'll they'll come up with a way around that at some point um this episode <laughs> man Oh, like it might not be a movie that people out there absolutely love But this gives us the chance This gives us the chance to really examine and get granular On one of, if not the most important Marvel story Ever told, certainly the most Important Spider-Man story Ever told, so there is so Much exciting things that we're going to do And get to talk about um, and take Will Through, coming up we go Behind the scenes on the Sony Spider franchise and the failed Sequels, we go behind the page On maybe the most important Marvel story Of all time, we look at the end of the Silver Age of American comics We detail just how important Gwen Stacy has become to the Spider-Man Mythos, plus tons of fun History and trivia about Harry Osborn, Rhino, Electro, the Black Cat, and much, much more in this blockbuster show. I am really excited and pumped for this. Um, if you, if you can't tell, Marvel history is kind of what I really enjoy doing, and uh, this has been a really—it's work. The research is work, but it's work I enjoy. Um, mm. Searching out these interviews and rereading stuff and. And spending some time really thinking about how to contextualise everything, I'm pumped. Will I mean? I guess on the movie side of things, you would be several degrees slightly less pumped. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, well. How, how do I put this? Can I can I talk about my opinions on Sp- Amazing Spider-Man Two that aren't exactly the movie yet? Can I talk about that?
0: Aren't exactly the movie yet? Sure.
1: Well, basically, uh, I, I my wedding reception. Uh, Was in a pub in in, in Kings Cross in London And it was lovely Had so many friends And an old friend of mine He pops up on my Facebook every now and again Lovely fella, very intelligent, very funny But we do disagree on some things Uh, Mr Tim Shelton Who kept saying hot take I think the amazing Spider-Man films Were the best (laughs) Spider-Man films or be- at least better than the Tobey Maguire films, and wow. I practically yelled at him at my own wedding, <laughs> uh, and, and I was like yelling <laughs> on the
0: happiest day of your life. Yeah. You were
1: still able to be so, so some, incandescent with rage. Some people such as so, so somehow find a way to ruin your wedding, uh, and <laughs> and I was yelling, practically yelling. Even my brother joined in and went, "What the hell, to- T- Tobey?" Uh, Andrew Garfield's too handsome. That's his problem, and all that. And then I, they, 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 they was like, But Toby McGuire's so whiny. He's so whiny
0: and everything. And I went,
1: That's the character. That's the actual character. Well, um,
0: myself and an army of fans would take issue with Peter Parker being described as whiny. But, um, yeah. but, OK, yeah. I'll say this right at the top I think I prefer this movie to the first Amazing Spider Man movie.
1: I it, think this is more it, important movie and I I prefer it in a few ways but I think they are both bad films.
0: I had not seen this movie until doing this show. Same, same. And hearing all the negative stuff about it maybe helped because I went in with a very low opinion yeah. and I actually came I found lots of stuff in it that I that I enjoyed. There's some so... good stuff
1: in there. There's some good stuff in there, but as a film overall it's not a great film. But we'll talk about that. <clears throat>
0: We'll talk about that um, where, where are you gigging coming up Will you're out trading the boards so The the Giggle Huts and the Chuckle Factories Always uh, Up do and down the Well just London really But uh, well, uh, Where no, are
1: you I have a car mate I, I I pay loads of money to pollute the environment uh, I tread the boards I do a turn here and there uh, uh, Monday the 23rd of May I'm at Comedy at the Hop At the Hop Inn in Reading On Sunday the 29th of May, I am in Bournemouth at the Four Horsemen pub. I'm bringing some other comedians with me from London in a car just to keep the quality up. (laughs) On Tuesday the 31st of May, I'm at the Comedy Lab at the People's Park Tavern in Hackney. On Thursday the 2nd of June, I'm playing a mirth control gig in Wimundham. I don't know how to pronounce that. One of the hums. Uh, and of course I'm performing on Saturday the 4th Again for Mirth <coughs> Control uh, Saturday the 4th of June At Cheltenham
0: Mirth Control will keep promoting gigs After the apocalypse That's my thoughts That <laughs> and Monkey uh, Business uh, uh, <laughs> well, Yeah but they're more regional uh, Mirth Control tripping <laughs> everywhere um, Very exciting to go out and see Will Preston uh, Live and in person um, mm. But if you can't see him live and in person you can at least take a piece of this show home with you. Starting on June the first, the Marvel vs. Marvel T-shirts will be available. We've uh, been teasing you with this information for a while and let you know, and it is definitely coming. I've seen that we've got the our shirts are nearly here with us. Um, I've seen the uh, the website recently, uh, we're ve- It's very exciting news. Marvel vs. Marvel t shirts coming June and July of this year, so not long to go. We've got two great designs. Shout out to Peter J for coming up with these great, great creations and these logos, these designs for both shirts. We've got an MVM logo shirt. Which he came up with and designed, and then the guys at Off Will Tees perfected. And um, we've got another shirt that is your catchphrase, Will. Mm. It is Marvel vs. Marvel, powered by ignorance. Head over to our, our Twitter account at Marvel vs. The pinned tweet has got pictures of uh, of both those designs there, so you get a little uh, little taste of what is um, of what is to come. Um, very excited about this, um, Will. How do you? I mean, I know we're both itching to get our hands on. On the shirts and to get this launched, June first is the day. It's exciting,
1: isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's yet another milestone in this wonderful journey that is this podcast. It's just, never thought we'd be here. I, I I thought we would stop doing it after the Avengers and just go. You know what? I don't think I like you. <laughs> That's I, enough
0: time talking to someone like it, you It's like I
1: think we've managed to consolidate An entire friendship here In ten hours It's a second I, marriage and, I, and, I've, I, and I've had my fill <laughs> Please don't call me again You <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that's going to edit that word um, Do I have to edit that so, word? Oh would think so, I don't think it's a nice word is it? No, well, it's very soft Mmm Mmm Fine. Just thinking of the members of the audience that we've met And perhaps we want to make sure We're, yeah I don't know, watch me Watch me. let one slip later on That'll be even worse <laughs> What? Like go, no, 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 it's fine Yeah, to, to have gone from where we were To live shows To winning our Le- Leicester Comedy Festival Awards Besting TV t-shirts. Comedians I prefer to call it Besting TV <laughs> Comedians These <laughs> shirts guys d- I mean, they're Look, we're not even talking about not. This, these are not for us. This is not for you. For you guys to support us. This is for you guys to get some cool, cool swag. Um, we're making this a really great experience. We teamed up with some awesome people um, who we really trust to uh, to make these shirts and and deliver it to you guys. And everyone all across the globe is going to be able to get hold of these awesome shirts. Wherever you are, you're going to be able to order from our local production hub. We've got all sizes. Or we've made sure we can get shirts to everyone No matter what your age, no matter what your fit It's going to be great This is going to be a limited release The shirts are only going to be available June 1st to June 31st Sorry, June 1st to July 31st Just those two months, June and July um, So save up now Put that money aside uh, Two designs, loads of colours, all coming your way And hey um, support Peter J as well, the yes, the, uh, the amazing yes. uh, art, artist um, that designed these these um, these shirts for us. Um, you can head over to goosefactoryart.com. Goosefactoryart.com. Check out his amazing, amazing kind of um, photographic work and artwork and stuff that he's got on over there. Uh, and save up now, June 1st. Marvel vs. Marvel t shirts are dropping. Join us now for a trip into the mind of someone That's never read a Marvel comic book before in his life We go into the mind of a muggle on this show Because that's what we're after The dichotomy between the two hosts Someone who's never read a comic book before And someone who's been reading them his whole life So we can get that outside perspective And to help try and contextualise what these Marvel movies mean On this journey that we're on now I know through, as we've been uh, reading your notes and chatting and discussing this movie This movie which for us really is all about the death of Gwen Stacy Yeah That's kind of the the major thing we're going to be chatting about You knew about that before you saw this film So that's what's interesting to me How would that have kind of, how would how would you have Can't ask you if you have ever heard of Spider-Man before because we've done quite a few movies about him, but the Gwen Stacy and the death of Gwen Stacy. How were you aware of that before seeing this movie?
1: Well, I think we've talked about Gwen Stacy before, and I remember see, uh, seeing the original Amazing Spider-Man and going, "Hey, that's not Mary Jane. Who who's that?" And then, of course, you go online to Wikipedia and then you go, "Oh, it's Gwen Stacy," and then
0: the, the search would bring up the.
1: The panel. I've
0: just realized yeah. you've only just seen this movie after we've done this show. So aside from anything else, it's come up several times It's on on the podcast.
1: It has it has come up, and that's fine. We'll talk about. So, it Rob, we'll commit to this bit. <laughs> so
0: that's that's a, that's a very. This is such a rubbish. How did you learn about? Because I've been doing a podcast about Marvel for three years before seeing the movie. I that was a blind spot for me. I completely. And even though you just said a minute ago, you hadn't seen the movie before until very recently. I did not consider. Do,
1: do you know what? Do you know what we should do? We should just edit in the mind of the Muggle bit for the original Amazing Spider-Man and just put that in. And call it a day.
0: <laughs> I don't know what we talked about in that one though, because uh, I, I can't remember now as to oh, what ba- we would have been chatting about. We go back and do the the very first Spider-Man movie, I suppose. I mean, there, there and, was other and,
1: things, other things in this film that that, that I kind of knew about because we discussed. Oh, what would the, that be? Like the Sinister oh,
0: No, we got to find one we hadn't have discussed before.
1: <laughs> well, okay, what? Well, oh God. We yeah. discussed everything. There was no. So there's nothing very, fresh. <laughs> do, 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 do you know why, Rob? Do you know why, Rob? Because this film offers nothing new.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't. Well, oh yeah. In the if you've seen a whole bunch of Spider-Man stuff before, it's yeah, yeah. very much. I very much. It's a symptom
1: a- of the film, not of us. I I would say <laughs> there's nothing really <laughs> that new to talk about.
0: Well, yeah, because even even uh, what happens with Gwen Stacy is mirrored in the first Spider-Man movie. I. Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't know. I sat down to watch this movie, and it's been out for many, many years. I've never seen it before. Mm. I did not know Rhino was in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I did not know Harry Osborne is in the film. I didn't know there was another Green Goblin ever.
1: I only knew about it because of searching on the internet, but no, every time you talk about Green Goblin online, no one
0: ever. Uh, uh, it, not it, even in ever... Google
1: searches, he barely comes up. It's like people I want to forget.
0: I assumed she was killed by Electro or something. I had no idea there was another villain in this movie. Um, and I'm looking forward just... to talking about this interpretation of Green Goblin as well. Because I could not twisted. understand, again, as we said with the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, why are they retreading so many steps from the first movie? Mm-hmm. In this one, why are you doing another goblin with another goblin glider, another goblin serum? Why are you doing... All I've, of this again—it's insane. It just doesn't. And, and plus,
1: they did the um, same mistake. They didn't learn from the mistake of Spider-Man Three of too many villains spoiling the broth. <clears throat> they they powered ahead with that, didn't they? They powered ahead and yeah, went, no, we I, can make I, it work.
0: Yeah, there shouldn't be. I don't can really consider Rhino to be a. It's not. He's not really properly part of. He's not a villain in this, really. He's tacked on in the worst way possible. I don't think so. I think it's it's perfectly. I think it works very well. I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, I think it's world building and stuff rather than um, a direction of your focus and attention. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't need two. You don't need two villains. I think it's very rare you need two villains. The only time, really, that it multiple villains has worked is, of course, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Here we go. Batman Returns, um, where okay. it does work perfectly. They bounce off each other. It just works perfectly. Well, let's uh, power through then, out of the mind of a muggle, (laughs) um, and uh, and head behind the scenes. You're the man to take us behind the scenes. Will that wasn't a power through? That was an abandon. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. We're powering through.
1: Why are you running away? We're powering because
0: because we just started talking about several things that are not to do with the segment to cover up for the fact that we didn't have anything to talk about in that segment. Because I don't know, we hadn't really thought about it.
1: Hey guys, long time listener, first time writer. uh, I have to say, you guys used to be really cohesive. (laughs) (laughs) Now you clearly can't be bothered. Take us behind the scenes, Will. (laughs) Oh man, have I got some? Have I got some cents out of the dollars and cents out of this one, my boy? Uh, if, I don't want to use the term diminishing returns, but let's let 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 us bring the plane round for a landing on that runway. Starting off in Spider-Man uh, in 2002, their budget for that was 139 million. Box office: 825 million. Spider-Man Two, 2004, 200 million budget. Box office came in at seven hundred and eighty-nine million. Spider-Man Three, two thousand seven, budget two hundred fifty-eight to three hundred fifty million. Box office came out at a whopping eight hundred and ninety-five million.
0: That's was... an incredible box office. That really, really is.
1: You can't, you can't sniff it, can you? You can't. I mean, sniff
0: it's at just, it. and. To a certain extent, mm. there might be nothing you could. Eh, you could have had less people in the movie, couldn't you? That's how you get that budget down.
1: You could, you, oh, man. You could always have less people in a movie. Just, just, just make it about a wall. Uh,
0: the, 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 the problem with budgets when it comes to later movies is, like with TV shows and things, is that Toby Maguire can command whatever he commands in Spider-Man One, but you know, five years later in the third one if you want to get this guy who is now you've he's become a star through these movies and all of that you're going to have to pay him twice as much or whatever it would be you know there's 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 so many different budgetary concerns that aren't just you know, It's not just quite, quite the case of Oh, sequels always cost more for no reason There's quite a lot of reasons why, why sequels cost a lot more well,
1: Usually because the star's going to earn a lot more money They can actually, well their yeah, agent at least Would turn around and say Hey, this as, film
0: ain't happening without him Give him more yeah, money As I just said, because they've yeah, all become more famous through it I wanted to say um, what you said in my way mm, yeah, I, I picked up on that I like, <laughs> um, I like, I like but it Sometimes guys, Will is not listening to Rob uh, Will is uh, Glazing off into the distance and looking at a video game in his mind, and then he comes back and he thinks he's picking up the strands of what I've just said. Zombies everywhere! What song was that? It's Mario.
1: Do, oh, it was, it was, it was. Anyway, there we go. To, back to the dollars and cents. We got into the Amazing Spider-Man in 2012, budget 200 to 230 million, box office 758 million. Uh
0: which is uh, that's a huge i don't want i don't want to hear any comparison to spider man three I really don't it's a completely new set of stuff that's a brilliant brilliant set of money being made it that's, really a, is. that's
1: a successful film right there and then we come up to the amazing spider man two two thousand and fourteen budget two hundred to two hundred and ninety three million box office seven hundred and nine million i don't care. I know it's a successful amount of money to make it but is. it is the lowest performing Spider-Man film to date.
0: Yeah, but it's still over 700 million.
1: I mean, all of obs- Yeah, but they they were talking about firing uh, Andrew Garfield out of a catapult. So, who f- were you're <laughs> kidding as an what? overreaction as an overreaction all <laughs> oh, right why didn't we make as much as spider-man three andrew handsome face garfield you're too it is, handsome it
0: is like a hundred million down on the first spider-man movie Yeah. um it's it's yeah it's not ideal i suppose but it, it is it um, is
1: interesting how even though that is, it's not really unsuccessful that that it's sort of they just didn't bother after that. There are so many sequels and stuff. Plans that got cancelled. Well, that all talk that... us through it. Yeah, I was about to say I will talk through that because because it's quite interesting. Because you look at this and think it did well enough. It did well enough yeah, to prevent right. MC. ever. Why
0: would there? Why would there not be another sequel in think, this franchise?
1: Exactly the rules that you know. You know the rules that apparently don't exist. That only exist in my head that I discussed <laughs> with you. Are, are they, are, you know, they, they 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 have been uh, passed. But basically. Okay, I'll talk you through it. So Sony had originally intended the film to launch an expansive film universe around Spider Man to compete with the Marvel Cinematic universe.
0: This is a huge and they, they they still they've been clinging to that for a long time. And it's a real problem. It it's is. a real problem. Because you can't make move. you can't take supporting characters and villains and make movies. It, it These are characters that work in opposition Mm -hmm. Or they're supporting role characters Um, They they are Trying mm. to make
1: A stage play With two A full musical stage play With three people it seems It's like there's not enough here To make a full Anyway so in 2013 Sony announced a third Amazing Spider-Man film with a release date of June 10th 2016 with Alec Kurtzman, Roberto Orkey and, Jen- and Jeff Pinker returning to write and a fourth film with a release date. Of May 4th 2018 The series was to include spin-off films Featuring the Sinister Six and Venom With Drew Goddard writing and directing the two parts uh, The Amazing Spider-Man Sinister Six And Kurtzman directing a Venom And Carnage script co- so, By himself, well, Orky and Ed Solomon
0: that Sinister Six does not, it's not, Doesn't feel like a spin-off movie That feels like, like a reverse Avengers movie Right? It does feel you like do, you yeah. You do. It's just. It's just the next amazing Spider-Man movie is him against six villains. Well, that's not a spin-off. Maybe it's they... not going to be six villains with no Spider-Man. So it's going to be Spider-Man versus six villains. That's that's a movie. That's a big Spider-Man movie, right? Do you know what, do you know what this sounds like to me? Is like when they do the Resident Evil series
1: and they decide which ones actually get a number, which which sequels actually get a number, and the other ones are just. <laughs> In what one? What way is that? In what way is that? Because you could call, should we call it the Amazing Spider-Man Four? No, we call it the Amazing Spider-Man Sinister Six. Okay, it sounds like the Amazing Spider-Man Four. No, it's technically the Amazing. Spider- right. Yeah. Yes,
0: it's not a spin-off. It's just a sequel. It's a, it's,
1: not a spin-off. It's, it's a genuine sequel. But we
0: decided not to have, anyway. Label it the same way. Venom and as a spin-off makes sense. Yeah, Venom. venoms a per- If you have him in a Spider-Man movie. Hmm I this idea that you as we've seen this idea that you can do venom without spider-man is a bad idea by stupid people. Well, you've you've have you seen the second venom film by the way? No, I don't want to, but I'm saving up for when we do it for the, this podcast that we yeah. uh, do forever I until am we die. Not looking forward to that. And
1: Morbius. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, Sinister Six Part One had been planned for November 11, 2016 release. Additionally, by August 2014, Sony had hired Lisa Joy to write the script for a 2017 female led film starring Felicia Hardy slash Black Cat. Sony announced plans for a spin off based on Spider Man 2099 to be released in late 20, uh, 2017. The character later appeared in the post credit scene of Spider Man Into the Spider Man, sorry, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, voiced by Oscar Isaac. So, oh I, my. I-
0: uh, yep. Sorry. Yep.
1: I was, oh no, I was gonna. You, you
0: speak first. I I, I struggled to, again. See how how are you gonna do a Spider Man twenty ninety nine without involving this? I mean, it just feels. It, honestly, it feels like they are diluting something again and again and again instead of kind of like adding to it.
1: Do you know what it feels like to me? It feels like we have Spider Man for now. There might be. We, and and you know we don't know how long we got it we got it, we got it for we're just gonna do everything we possibly mm. can right now because it, Marvel's just been bought by Disney Disney is scary and they're growing they might buy us out we got to quickly run with this as fast as possible.
0: It feels to me like the modern Star Wars franchise, (laughs) right? It is cannibalizing every aspect of this one story. Multiple flashback movies, multiple origin movies, multiple... You know that guy that had one line of dialogue? Well, he's now the basis of, like, two TV shows. Um, I just... it, It is... Not an ideal way of going about things
1: It just do you, have, I, have I Have I done my rant about uh, Prometheus before
0: I've no idea
1: Okay anyway Prometheus uh, And it then got revealed spoiler alert Etc it's actually an alien film Basically, they did this. That was before
0: it was released, though.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but
0: it wasn't. That was. That's not a spoiler. That was part of the advertising.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was part of the advertising. Eventually, but at first, it was like, oh, this is just called Prometheus. Basically, they explored a a very mysterious thing in from the original Alien film, where they go side the spaceship, and there's this uh, ancient corpse of an unknown alien race. And when you watch Alien, you're going, oh, that's mysterious. That's spooky. Never gets mentioned again. And your mind, your imagination plays on it. And it's such a great piece of unexplained uh, lore within the film. And then they go, you know what? We're going to make a film about that and explain the
0: whole thing. And I'm like, oh, God, don't do that. It, we, we discussed a similar tacts with... Um Wolverine's life story, where <laughs> oh, yeah. there were all these cool, kind of every time Wolverine yeah. met somebody, it was like, oh, a dark figure from his past. And it was like, I don't want to talk about it, but we got history. And you go, oh, Wolverine, he's a brooding character, he's been around the, the, the block a few times, and he's gruff and interesting. And then by the time you get another. 10-15 years down the line They've exploited and done stories And every, every single Aspect of his life has been Has been spun out and Storified and there's no Wolverine used to have this cool mysterious Past that's gone now We know everything about Him
1: if I may um, uh, come up with A new slogan for the t-shirts I want to call it Fracking for backstory Veto. Vito I'll oh, I'll let the fans I'll let the fans vote on that one Rob Anyway nah. I'll continue my production notes before you uh, Shoot my dreams
0: <laughs> However That'd be a good t-shirt <laughs>
1: Shoot my dreams Shoot my dreams <laughs> You are so horrible. Carry on <laughs> However between December 2013 And the release of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 In May 2014 Garfield and Webb stated that while they would both return for the third film, neither was certain of their involvement in the fourth. With Webb confirming that he would not be directing, following the mixed critical reviews and franchise low box office performance of *The Amazing Spider-Man 2*, what uh,
0: the future? Well, it is as you said; it's the franchise low.
1: Franchise low, yeah. It's it, it, if you if you see if you had a graph it would look like really Hmm. diminishing returns, but obviously it's still a success. The future of the franchise was unclear. By July 2014, Orky had left the third film to work on Star Trek Beyond. The the Amazing Spider-Man 3, which would have included Chris Cooper returning as Norman Osborne and focused on Peter recovering from Gwen Stacy's death, was delayed to an unspecified date in 2018, and The Amazing Spider-Man 4 was moved to an
0: unknown date. That means cancelled. Yeah,
1: that or, or will wait and see. Development hell. <laughs> Following the 2014 Sony Pictures hack, Emma Stone was revealed to be in talks to return as a resurrected Stacy in the 2017 female-led film, and The Amazing Spider-Man 4 as the uh, antagonist Carnage. Sony was further revealed to be in talks To have Sam Raimi return to the franchise To direct a new trilogy For his version of the character Along with a Spider-Man versus The Amazing Spider-Man movie What are they doing? They are
0: in Okay, sorry, I need to calm down
1: They're fracking for ideas, mate They're fracking for you ideas did... Everybody will die But they'll, got, get, they'll get something
0: This is So, so these are just rumours, aren't they? Because this could be anything well this is not this is not rumors this was actually a leak
1: this was the hack right. this is information
0: Okay I'm so, I'm, 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 they were I'm, in I'm talks. I feel I feel a lot more forthright in saying what are they doing? They have mm-hmm. absolutely again we see don't we see it with with all these different studios out and i'm i'm not i'm not trying to be a bootlicker here i'm really mm. not but marvel, good or bad, like it or loathe it, have a consistent vision i don 't always think that consistent vision is necessarily the best thing for for all types of stories and 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 how movies should look and stuff but they have a consistent plan and a vision yep. and all these other it's like it's like there's no one in charge like there's a movie studio and there's no one at that movie studio is in charge of Spider-Man as a franchise there's just a producer here a writer here a director there other executives thinking it'd be good if this happened they don't have like it feels very much that they don't have a team to go. We are the Sony Spider Man team. Yeah. This is what we do. We, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to get to. And we're going to go this step and that step. And then we'll see how it goes. And then that step and this step. And then there. We don't have that. They just have like, let's. There's a board. We'll put a dozen different characters up on the board. We'll just start throwing darts and, and green lighting projects. It's madness. I want to add anything. I,
1: I, I want to add something to that, but you've really, you've really gone there. I I totally agree. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking.
0: Anyway, anyway, a shame, any- a real shame. It, it's a, it's a because real because as we keep saying, I quite like Garfield, and I, quite, and I and I like Emma Stone. I like them together, mm. and. None of these films are. They, they, they're, all, they're all positives in these films. I thought the action scenes in this movie were particularly good.
1: It does make you um, think what kind of madness
0: lay beyond if they actually continued down this path. Kind of want to. See, I, I really would like to kind of, Rick and Morty style, have a dimensional telly or whatever they have and click over to another world and just watch seven or eight terrible Sony movies. With uh, Garfield locked into a contract for a hundred years. Hey Morty, they're showing
1: uh,
0: they're showing that uh,
1: amazing Spider-Man with uh, a drink Oh, jeez Rick, etc. Uh, not your best. Not my not best. best. Uh, but to be fair, I can do more voices than that guy. Anyway, he only has two voices. <laughs> How much
0: money have you got? Uh, oh, oh hi! Oh hi! Let's
1: let's go there. <laughs> Any, anyway not only, not only that But the leak was also also revealed That uh, Sony was in discussion With Marvel Studios about including Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Film Captain America Civil War And
0: of those Announcements the only Two that are exciting yes. Is Toby Maguire coming back <laughs> Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi Coming back Right, that's exciting You say exciting,
1: that's like uh, Oh we're going to eat pizza But we're going to eat pizza In the burnt ruined pizza hut
0: we're going to... it's, it's an admission of defeat, sure. Yeah, but it what they're about to do is a big flag wave as well. The other exciting idea is Spider Man in, in the actual proper Marvel Universe. Hey, should we just forget this nonsense?
1: Should we do something new with the next Batman film? No, just do dark and gritty. Don't steer from the course. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Just get Sam Raimi to do it again. Just get Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi has the talent. Anyway. <coughs> oh, sorry. In early 2015, a deal between the studios that allowed... Sorry, a a deal between the studios that allowed Spider-Man to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was reached, effectively cancelling the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Speaking to Amy Adams for Variety's Actors on Actors Actors YouTube series in 2016, Garfield described himself as being left heartbroken by his experience on working on the Amazing Spider-Man films.
0: I, I heard... I don't remember where I read this or heard this, but here's what I heard about this. And I, br- I mentioned this once before on the show mm. um, that this decision was made by big Sony, proper Sony, Sony Japan. Oh, right? wow. Because once they saw the disparaging uh, box office returns and the critical differences between Amazing Spider Man 2 and what was going on in the MCU. I heard that it was an edict sent down to Sony America, Sony Hollywood, Mm. go and make this deal, go cap in hand back to Marvel on your hands and knees, and get us some of that sweet sweet MCU money. (laughs) That being said, that's what I always heard, and I always thought, ah, that makes sense. That sounds mainly because it fits my narrative. That being said, i I don't know if that's true because how much more money are you going to make? Well, obviously they made a. I think they ended up making a billion, but <laughs> well, <laughs> well you listen- wouldn't have known that. You would have seen a comparable MCU movie release, and it would have been around seven hundred to eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But this is the thing: you don't have all you have, all they
1: have to do is say yes. You can use the character. We might provide some resources. All the cost isn't out of their pocket. That
0: will be but, some. They, but they're also not getting all the profit.
1: <sighs> I don't know, Rob. I'm just happy mm. we have Spider-Man in the MCU. Can't you?
0: I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. We when we looked at the Civil War, I, the conclusion that struck me, like a bolt of lightning, uh, in the middle of recording <laughs> after talking to you and picking through your thoughts is simply this: without Spider-Man, it's not the Marvel Universe yet. It yeah. just isn't. Um, exactly. And when that happens, you go. Everything kind of feels okay now. <laughs> it feels It feels it feels like home somehow. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> anyway,
1: Shailene Woodley was cast as Mary Jane Watson and even filmed scenes. Her role was cut because the movie makers felt there were too many characters. <laughs> too many characters. Jeez, and wanted just one love interest for Parker. Prior to the decision, Kirsten Stewart was considered for the role. Wow. Yeah, that. Like where where so, I'm sorry there, that 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 was the point you decided there was too many characters.
0: I'm wowing at, at, at Kristen Stewart f- considered for Mary Jane Watson. It makes no sense in terms of the comic book character, yeah. But you know, a, a weird, awkward girl. I could see that working on the back of the oh, um, uh, what's her name from the the Raimi trilogy? She's oh. got a snaggletooth. What's her name? Snaggletooth. She's got a little snaggletooth. What's her name? That's how I remember her, and and it's a private joke between so, me and my best s- mate. Who's she they playing in the rainy trilogy? Name. Mary Jane, the person we're talking about. Kirsten, Chris. Oh, Kristen Stewart. No. Oh my no. God! Where's, where are you? Will, where
1: are you? I have completely forgot. <laughs> I I thought that was her name, Kristen Stewart. Jesus, I no have... Kristen Stewart on is the board. Twilight. I've forgotten her name too. I've absolutely forgotten her name. It was no. Nope. I'm sorry, mate. I'm, <laughs> we are not on form today. It's very Google hot it. outside. I'm going Google oh. it.
0: Spider-Man Snaggletooth Lady. Google Spider-Man
1: that. Spider-Man <laughs> Snaggletooth <laughs> Lady. I guarantee you, she'll come up. No, uh, it's not. But she has a similar name, Kirsten Dunst. There we Kirsten
0: go. Kirsten Dunst. There we go. Kristen
1: Kirsten. To me, that name is the same. So I assume uh, both that- both
0: made their name in vampire movies as well. So there's a, with the crossover. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Interview with and Twilight. Interview yeah. with Twilight. That's, uh, that's what a, else have
1: you got for what us? What else Will? have I got, Will? Before we, the podcast completely crumbles under its own minor weight. Dane DeHaan lost seven pounds in weight in one day when shooting the final battle scene. He had to wear a fifty-pound suit and prosthetics for three and a half hours in forty-six degrees Celsius weather. This sounds like abuse. This is horrible. They eventually had to rig a tubing system to cool him off because buckets of ice being held on the poor guy just turned to steam. My brain was literally melting. He told Vanity Fair.
0: Jeez. Did you ever hear? seven pounds in a day is so dangerous. That's,
1: I mean, a psychological trauma from that as well. Do you remember um, how? Did you hear about the Catwoman costume in Batman Returns uh, heading back that way? That they actually had, uh, she couldn't perform in it for a, for for, for yeah. too long because it was just constricting everything. <sighs> Although they did shoot some parts of Times Square at night, the crew had to build a replica of the New York landmark at the studio in Long Island to film much of it. Uh, several different, fairly gruesome endings were filmed, but were declined in fear of forcing the movie out of a f- PG 13 rating. One featured the green goblin snapping Gwen Stacy's neck with his bare hands, and the other showed the goblin stabbing her. The more family friendly version that they plumped for actually best resembles the comic book version of events.
0: Amazing Spider Man 2. Um... Uh, as we've alluded to Is really the, the most noteworthy thing we can talk about With this film Will Is the death of Gwen Stacy
1: Yes yes.
0: Um, and let's just say right off the bat That it's very hard for us To imagine today The huge impact that the death This storyline had um, When it came out in, 19, in In the early 70s Major characters Did not die like this Mm. It had never happened before, and not just in uh, in in comic books. If you think, if you think of the 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 world we live in now with like long book series, long long movie franchises like Harry Potter. When a major character dies in that, that has a resonance. But yeah. we're used to, you know, we we have an an understanding of it. Fast and the Furious, you know, massive long franchise, characters die in that. Star Wars, now it's got to this level, characters die in that. But 1973, we did not have anything like that happening. People opened up their Spider Man comic one day and they saw their childhood sweetheart, their dream girl, getting murdered and the hero failing to save the day. Yeah. Gwen Stacy's death had a. A huge impact on Marvel comics and, and their their readers as well It's held up as The, the End of innocence mm-hmm. For those readers, the end of their childhood um, 1973 When the comic comes out, ties in With things like well with america losing its its innocence the watergate scandal yes. the public hearings are about to the senate hearings are about to start it's been all in the papers um, the the public backlash to the vietnam war cops beating up college kids and hippies at protests and, and and demonstrations the quote unquote innocence of a decade two decades previous is gone comic book historians refer to Different eras in, in history uh, By, you know, you have the Golden Age Which was kind of pre-war And and, and through into the, the, the 50s And then the Silver Age Which lasted from the 50s And so forth on The Silver Age um, Kind of lasted from 50, 1956 And was the full of the post-war euphoria Yeah And a Um a national thirst but also perhaps a western thirst for stories of heroes and good guys clean cut right police heroes fbi astronauts we were going to the moon and and <laughs> and superheroes as well idealistic clean cut men of what you might call the kennedy era yeah but by the end of this 1960s this was all changing in the national discourse, the western discourse Comic books began telling stories About Flawed heroes Tentatively to begin with Not an outpouring, not an overwhelming Cavalcade of it But they started to tell stories About heroes that were kind of beaten down And roughed up by the modern world In 1970 The Danny O'Neill and the very recently dearly departed Neil Adams took over Green Lantern in DC Comics And began telling stories about Civil rights and Drug use and social justice um, Or including Those elements, not necessarily Stories about those things all the time Sometimes they were, but including those in the stories How much a superhero Failed to be of any Real use in, in Big, important, real Matters like that, Green Lantern And Green Arrow travelled across America Easy Rider style Being exposed to The dark underbelly of the American dream Some historians Will point to that as the beginning of a New age in comic books called the Bronze Age Mm. and the Bronze Age is typified by a bunch of things But Most strongly it's it's, It's stories Becoming a bit more sophisticated That tell Tales about social issues And reflect kind of the changing world The idealism is gone And the Bronze Age began to reflect that Social commentary and flawed heroes And whilst Danny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams May well have started the Bronze Age in 1970 The Silver Age The Age of Innocence Really came to a a crashing end three years later um, With the night Gwen Stacy Died, which is the title of Mm. the comic where it happened Why this came about, we go real behind the page And start to talk and listen to the the people in charge And it's almost like a conspiracy Where we're trying to figure out who pulled the trigger Who had the idea, who came up with what was going to happen And there's actually a bunch of conflicting stories on, On who came up with exactly this idea Amongst the people we know were definitely involved Nothing was written down So we are relying on the memories Of you know four or five People um, The key players the 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 Stanley of course Stanley In uh, 1973 we chatted about this He's no longer the editor in chief So he's no longer creatively involved In Marvel mm. he's the president Of Marvel comics so it's a lot more Business moves and bigger picture stuff Um Check out our Spider-Mobile episode for more On Stan's presidency Um, The editor of Spider-Man Is Roy Thomas Who is um, Stanley's Right hand man and successor He's followed him on a dozen Different comics from X-Men to Avengers And now um, he's the editor Of the Spider-Man line The writer of Spider-Man Is Jerry Conway He's 21 years old and he's writing The Amazing Spider-Man And he's replaced Stan Lee As the writer That's a huge weird burden It's the incredibly artist, weird Yeah The reason behind this is that Quite frankly older artists and writers Wanted better working conditions Unionisation and better pay <laughs> So Marvel and DC Went yeah but there's all these 20 year olds that would desperately love to work For us and we can pay them Not a lot oh. Um, the artist of this story is Gil Kane, but he didn't really play uh, um, a role in the conception mm. before the script was made. And the the other key figure in this, really oddly, is the inker. You don't always necessarily think of the inker, the person that inks the pencils of the artist, to be a prominent figure in some of these decision making times. However, this inker is John Romita. John Romita is a huge, towering figure in Spider-Man history He's (laughs) perhaps the most important Spider-Man artist of all time After Steve Ditko, the Mm -hmm. co-creator And at this point, he's not just... I don't know why he's inking the book But he is Marvel's art director That's a big, big, big position He draws Spider-Man like 600 times a day For lunchboxes, stickers, um, trading cards And balloons and cakes And he's the man So 1973 This story starts with Marvel wanting to kill Aunt May (laughs) If you can believe such a thing Um, (laughs) They wanted a big dramatic story To shake up the Spider-Man comic To shake up uh, Peter Parker's Supporting cast and to leave a Big impression on the readers And they decided the way to do that The easiest way to do that Is to kill off Aunt May Um, When planning How to go about getting this done Jerry Conway and John Romita, the inker The art director, eventually agree That killing Aunt May would serve No purpose in the Mm -hmm. Spider-Man stories Going on They, They agreed that Actually killing off Aunt May would make Peter Parker's life easier. It would remove <laughs> it would remove some of the huge recurring obstacles to his dual life. Mm. He would worry less about being Spider-Man. He'd worry less about having someone to be responsible for earning money. He'd worry less about his enemies attacking him and making a main character's life easier. Is a terrible idea And not the job of anybody involved In writing an ongoing story Your character's life needs to be Fraught with obstacles and barriers Tensions and trip ups So getting rid of Aunt May Not ideal Conway and Ramita decide that To have this desired impact on, on, on Peter Parker's life The stories To have the impact on, this, on on the readers as well That they should kill off either Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane? Ooh. It's up in the air. It's a like things could have gone very differently, and we could have lived in a world where Mary Jane gets bumped off, and Gwen Stacy's been around for decades and decades. Wow. Because, well, Ramita argued that Gwen Stacy should be the character that that gets killed off. He and he argues it because. It should be Peter Parker's girlfriend, the love of his life, and not just his friend Mary Jane, who is a lesser character.
1: I mean, at that point, she has been introduced, right? Would you say because she was spent some time being back almost
0: right? No, yeah. At this point, nineteen seventy-three, she's Harry Osborn's girlfriend. Okay, and she makes up a uh, a good part of Peter Parker's supporting cast. It's Pete and Gwen. Harry and MJ and some of their other friends As well that's like the you know Flash Thompson and mm. that's kind of the main Group uh, John Ramita gave an interview where he said The reason I said we should Kill off Gwen Stacy was that Mary Jane was an airhead An airhead Comedy character at the time <laughs> She was there to jazz the place up She was not his girlfriend His girlfriend was Gwen Stacy Um And I said I learnt about who to kill off from Milton Caniff Right, so this is important, we're just going to take a quick sidebar Milton Caniff was a very successful cartoonist in America Who had action adventure strips that ran in uh, newspapers all over the country for like 40-50 years One of his big hits was a full page, I think it was a full page Newspaper strip or half a page of a strip called um, Terry and the Pirates, action mm. adventure story about pirates. So John <laughs> Romita, that's who John Romita is talking about. He said Milton Caniff every three or four years would kill off an important character in his newspaper strip. Mm. I remember as a young boy hearing adults saying, "Did you see that Raven Sherman has been killed in Terry and the Pirates?" <laughs> and I, I said to myself as a kid, "Oh my god." Grown-ups are talking about Terry and the Pirates They worried about Raven Sherman Who was the girlfriend of one of the characters I didn't expect it to hurt grown-ups It hurt me I didn't expect it to hurt them That stayed with me I told Jerry Conway that story And I said If you want to kill somebody Kill somebody important Or just leave it alone When people say to me um, Did you really want to kill Gwen Stacy I say she was one of my favourite characters She was a Steve Ditko character Um, I created Mary Jane But Gwen Stacy was my favourite character And I did that still I still did that Knowing that that's how we could get People's attention That's Mm -hmm. how we could make them hurt I do find it fascinating And I like it an awful lot to hear writers and artists and creators Talking about To do this story properly We have to work out The best way to hurt The audience and isn't that Just true of so many Great stories What are some great stories without, without That pain, you that, need that bittersweet Pain of something you like being Taken away
1: I think that lends so much so much to a story. If you have, if you have that kind of thing. Otherwise, if it, if you don't really have much like uh, danger or consequence, little by little you start going. Yeah, it's too too comfortable. Too yeah, you know, un- unsurprising.
0: And I think the the secret to Marvel and especially mm. Spider Man is that Marvel and Spider Man they tend to always break your heart. Yeah. I- Without giving any spoilers whatsoever, somebody talked about a sad thing that happens in the new Spider Man movie and how oh. they didn't like it. And I said, But you just, Spider Man is suffering. <laughs> yeah, Marvel is about breaking your heart. So there uh, we go. I, I don't want, we'll, we'll
1: talk about it in the episode, but the ending to the last Spider Man film, I, I never felt so conflicted watching a Marvel film at the end. It was just, it was a weird emotion. But we'll talk about
0: it then. There we go. Writer um, Jerry Conwell gave an interview in 2012 about killing off Gwen Stacy, the death of Gwen Stacy, and he doesn't have quite as many fond thoughts about her as John as um, John Ramita did. He said she was a non-entity, just a pretty face. <laughs> she brought nothing to the mix. It made no sense to me that Peter Parker would end up with a babe like that who had no problems. Only a damaged person would end up with a damaged guy like Peter Parker And Gwen Stacy was perfect It was basically Stan Lee fulfilling Stan's own fantasy Stan married a woman who was pretty much a babe Joan Lee was a very attractive blonde woman Who was obviously Stan's ideal woman And I think Gwen (laughs) Stacy was simply Stan replicating his life Just like Sue Storm was a replication of his wife as well And that's where Stan's blind spot was The amazing thing was that he created A character like Mary Jane Watson Who was probably the most interesting Female character in comics And he never used her To the extent that he could have Instead of Peter Parker's girlfriend He made her the best friend's girlfriend Um, I would say Go back to some of our earlier Spider-Man episodes um, Spider-Man I guess One and maybe two Mm. Because I like to think there's a lot more Depth into why Mary Jane Is such a brilliant Groundbreaking character in the 1960s And the 70s as well um, But certainly Jerry Con- The way Jerry Conway feels Is the way that all of The general public Not all A lot of the general public felt They loved Mary Jane and wanted a lot more Of her um, Conway also explained in interviews that Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy had become a perfect couple in the comics. Mm. So there was a lack of tension, a lack of drama in the relationship. Two things which the Spider Man so proper really needs to thrive. A committed young couple who are considering marriage, all down to Stanley's, you know, fondness for these two characters being together. The next logical step, according to Conway, Was for them to get engaged And Peter Parker to reveal his secret identity And you know things that just seem to Really undermine the kind of stories That Spider-Man is is about telling So To him getting rid of Gwen Stacy Filled a bigger role It would actually dig the creative team out of this Hole Mm. that Stan Lee According to his feelings had dug them into
1: It felt like they were using Dynamite to get out of a hole
0: (laughs) Well yeah Um. Um Especially since at the time As happens in this movie Mm. Gwen's talking about moving away to England Like And she does You could have just left her there Another key to the, the night Gwen Stacy died Is that when this happened Stan Lee Who you might think would be the man To say no To put his foot down And to stop it from happening Stan Lee Was not in the country. (laughs) He was... Away on a business, like Quick, when we talk about- away.
1: change the story.
0: When we, t- I said, I said, I said a few minutes ago, this is like orchestrating a hit, right? Oh. You wait for the perfect moment, like when they took out JFK. You got to wait for all the right people to be in the right places and all the wrong people to be out but of the town.
1: This doesn't sound tactical. This is the clock the teachers left the classroom. Quick, do it.
0: But it ends in death. Will
1: <laughs> I do? So Stan's
0: away on a business trip in Europe And when he arrives back in America He finds out That Gwen Stacy One of his favourite characters That is based on his wife We believe <laughs> Has been murdered Stan was very upset He said and I, I wish I could do his voice um, when, he, when I came back and found out that Gwen had been killed I thought why Why would they do that to Gwen why would Jerry write anything Like that <laughs> The creative crew at Spider-Man Had to actually remind Stan That they had spoken to him About this before he left the country Now this gets a little murky Yeah that's a bit murky already. Stan says I don't really remember yeah. and, But he's not calling them liars And they said yeah we told him that we were Thinking about killing off Gwen Stacy And they did it on a day when Stan Is in a rush He's got a million things to do And he's packing his bags For Europe (laughs) And Stan says If it happened that way then basically Without really hearing them Or thinking about it I, I just rushed them out of the office saying Do whatever you think is best As I'm packing my bags To go to Europe So incredible Ramita uh, says Stan was out of the country when we did that He got back and accused us Of doing it behind his back He was angry He was upset He wanted us to immediately bring her back from the dead Roy Thomas and I And everyone else in the company said We can't do that Stan It would be an embarrassing silliness To bring her back Mm. We talked him into it But he was very upset it would have been an embarrassing silliness Simply because the raw Emotion In the pages of those books When she is dead It, you'd, it would be Undermining that and stripping it away It was unlike any other Death that had ever happened In, in a Marvel comic In any comic really um, It's And it's a rare thing A death that has held up over time um, She has never come back From the dead Unlike Bucky and all these others, she's up there with Uncle Ben. Yeah, I was about to say like so. Her and Uncle Ben. The, uh, the, I want to use the video game term Permadeath <laughs> It used to be said the only deaths in comic books that stick are uh, Jason Todd, yep, Bucky, <laughs> Uncle Ben, and Gwen Stacy. And of that list, two of them came back in roughly the same year or eighteen months. Well, I know Jason Todd did. And um, Bucky, the Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, because um, I know some Batman lore. I, 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 I'll get into more of it,
0: hopefully. When? What?
1: I've got the DC Unlimited
0: app now. Oh right! I thought you meant you were going to start talking about Batman on this podcast. I was like, when is that going to happen? So it feels like an intervention. Ha ha! We're actually going to talk about Batman, Batman. <laughs> In 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 death, Gwen Stacy becomes. Far more important to the Spider-Man stories Than she ever was In life Her death becomes just as important To Spider-Man and the stories And the mythos and the character As that of Uncle Ben But not everyone was happy Gwen's death shocked Spider-Man readers um, Some appreciated it But a lot were horrified Because again they No one had ever seen anything like this Before There was a slew of letters being written in um, To the extent that In Amazing Spider-Man 125 October, the year that that they killed off Gwen Stacy An editorial comment had to be added to the letters page To try and calm the readers down And explain why they had done this It reads as follows the relationship between Pete and Gwen Had been through a lot of inconsequential Ups and downs And unless the two were to be married There was nowhere else to take it But marriage seemed wrong too Here's the first example Of the Peter Parker being too old problem You've got to go into our Patreon And check out The, um, the Clone Saga episode Where we mm. dive a lot into that
1: yes.
0: um, Peter just wasn't ready So For marriage. So Jerry, Roy, and Stan debated the question. No, they didn't. Stan was out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) And all and 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 it doesn't mention that John Romita, who came up with the idea, all had reached the same inescapable conclusion. Gwen's death was simply fated to happen. Events had shaped themselves in such a way that their only logical resolution was tragedy. Events had shaped themselves in a story that we make up and decide what happens in <laughs> In, a, in, a, in, a, in a, stories that where we choose what happens Events have shaped themselves guys It's out of our hands Unreal So don't blame Jerry, don't blame Stan, don't blame anyone Only the inscrutable, inexorable workings of circumstances are culpable this time Begging the audiences not to turn on them By claiming There's some hand of fate In a story that you come up with And decide what happens That's incredible Um Ramita says um, When talking about this that even after that was published They were still receiving death threats (laughs) So The night when Stacy Died one of the great things about the character of Spider-Man Is that His stories Are almost all about the Duality of the human condition mm. Right so there's a, there's a trope You see a lot in, in sci-fi and superhero Stories and there's a line That recurs and it's something like oh, These powers are also my curse Yeah, And that's normally a BS line It doesn't mean anything Spider-Man's powers are not his curse His curse Is the painful lesson Taught to him by his uncle mm. His curses knowing his responsibility To the rest of the world And the duality Represented by Spider-Man in these stories Is the conflict that we all go through The conflict of the human condition Right? It's our hearts The conflict between our hearts What we want to have and hold on to For ourselves For selfish reasons And our responsibilities The, the moral and ethical ways We are tied to each other the, the, the responsibility we owe To the people around us In our community and our, and, our, and our society Spider-Man stories Feature Peter Parker sacrificing Something he wants Money, a job A date, friendship In order to fulfill his moral Responsibility to the rest of the world By, by running off and uh, Saving lives and being Spider-Man And And throughout this Conflict, the one thing that he Knows is that his life is dangerous. It is mentioned so many times whenever his secret identity comes up, right? Mm-hmm. It is dangerous to the people around him. That's why he has to guard and protect this identity. That's why he never reveals it and he why he breaks off relationships time and again. Even with people that don't know anything about Spider-Man. He's just too dangerous for them to be close to him. But not with Gwen Stacy, because. She is the first person in his life That he's ever loved And up until 1973 The things that Peter Parker has to sacrifice Because of his responsibilities Are small and childish Mm. Monies, parties, dates, job Fame and adulation Which is where we start with Spider-Man But with the death of Gwen Stacy Peter Parker enters this This grown up world Where the sacrifices Of of his dangerous life The sacrifices of his moral responsibility Will be the things that he cares about And that he loves the most Well I'm sat here right now In a, uh, a really cool t-shirt Doc Brown's Auto Repairs uh, custom auto, sorry And uh, one great. of my favourite t-shirts designs I think I've seen in a long, long <laughs> damn time And uh, it's all thanks to the, the amazing sponsors we've got On Offworld Tees um, And I know that you're, you've are you got like a few earmarks, right? Offworldtees.com You've picked out a bunch of tees that are They're on their way to you, are you you creeping through this? What's the? What are you looking at? What have you got? What are your favorite, your favorite picks from Offworld Tees? Well, I'm, I've listed them until I get paid, or until my
1: sort of payday comes, and then I'm basically payday treats. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna order a bulk load, I think. So I'm looking at a few, mainly the sci-fi stuff. Um They've what they've got. One, one thing I like is I, I've searched and I can't find a good Resident Evil t shirt, but they've simply got the Umbrella Corporation logo. Oh. You know, you've got the umbrella and then you've got the actual slogan. I think it's mainly from the films, but I'm kind of like, I'm okay with that because they, you know, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of graphic design, and, and t- they've got that bit right. But that's definitely one I want to get. There's a, a Wayland Yutani one. Inspired, obviously, from aliens,
0: is and it- also not just aliens, because it's because it, it, of the the world crossing. Mm. It's a part of the aliens versus predator movies, which are canon, I guess. So I, I thought you were going to say Blade Runner for a second, because there is a theory that that
1: that that the company exists in both franchises, and therefore they both exist in the same universe.
0: But the com- we- does the company exist in both franchises?
1: Something I can't remember it. There's because. I-
0: We'll I have I remember a look into reading, that.
1: Remember reading something and it was like, okay. Well, there whatever. is a
0: there is a big, Oh, well there's there's there are little notes, little things that connect certain I don't know whether it's there's like this um you know, the fictional cigarette company that Quentin Tarantino come up with for Pulp Fiction Reservoir Dogs. Mm. There's a packet of those cigarettes that crop up in I think X-Files um <laughs> and and, yeah. and some of the movies down the line and so there yeah. are little notes and nods things like that.
1: Yeah, um, um, there's some other ones from Alien. There, there's uh, let me just get it. There's Hadley's Hope, which is the colony from Aliens. Uh,
0: which oh, yeah. If you've seen the director's cut of Aliens, you get a better idea of what it was like before. <laughs> that's everything one. Kicked off. That's one of the director's cut. I don't not always. I watch a director's cut and go, yeah, this was worth it. The Aliens one is really good. I, I to- totally agree with you 100% Usually with director's yeah. cuts
1: I barely notice the difference yeah, same. And it's like the, the one of Aliens yeah, We've got like half an hour of extra stuff And it's like oh This feels like a much more Bigger. complete film yeah. yeah it actually explores more It's great uh, the, And yeah and- you do
0: get more of the colony don't you You get more oh. of the
1: and you get, of course, and so
0: the deaths then have a little more resonance, and a little bit the destruction. Yes, kind of means a bit more.
1: Means a bit, and also you said, see the uh, Mac MacDonald before he uh, starred in Red Dwarf. He's in there as well for, for a little bit. Who's Mac Mac McDonald in Red Dwarf? He was, he was, uh, he was the ship's captain. He appears oh, in the very first right. episode, oh, okay. and then he's in the he's in series eight uh, as a regular character. You 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 know him. He pops up as token American in British sitcoms. Basically, got yeah yeah. Uh, there's also one that I really struck out of me. And it's very simple. It's from
0: Aliens. It's game over, man. Which is perfect for you in many ways. Perfect. It's it's about it's 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 equal parts science fiction, video games, and also a bleak mantra for life. Um, and, uh, speaking of Red Dwarf, they've also got London a London Jets um, yes. shirt as well. Yes, yes, which is of course the the I think what's the name of the sport? It's the it's the football team. It, no, sorry, it's, it's hyper, the sports team. Hyper, hyper ball or something, <laughs> or hyper football or something. Some, some, the list uh, of supports. Yeah,
1: well, do, you, do you ever do you, what? Oh. Fun one. What's the uh, what was the genre of music Lister loves as well? Oh,
0: I can't remember.
1: Is it Rastabilli Skank?
0: That's exactly it, Rastabilli oh, Skank.
1: Like, oh that's beautiful. If you're gonna do if you're gonna do something in the future, make up a new music genre. Go go ahead with it. And there's like Rastabilli Skank sounds like a genuine music genre. I
0: imagine it exists now. So yeah. Will is picking out his favourite t-shirts. For his uh, payday treats I'm sat here in my Back to the Future shirt Mm. And it's all thanks to Offworldtees.com We're talking Geek shirts made by geeks for geeks, right? The people that know, the people that understand, the people that when we talk to them about the London Jets and Rastapopoulos gang, they know what we're talking about. Bigger geeks than me and Will, if you can imagine it. These are guys that I've known for a long time. We've been working with them for a while. Um, they, the, the, the t-shirts they offer. We're talking retro movies, badass movies, Top Gun. Mm. We're talking Labyrinth. Yep. Um, we're talking um, Tron, sci-fi, horror. Comedy, there's Monty Python shirts to explore There's uh, a whole bunch in there Um, Great customer service And great shirts And this is not just a UK shout out They've got production hubs in Australia Canada, Czech Republic Germany, United States And the UK So wherever you are in the world you can order from a production hub that's closer to you, um, which is just so much better than ordering from a country that's miles and miles and miles away, and you have all that time to kind of, you know, sometimes it can take months for something to arrive from another country when that's the only place the t shirt is off for sale. It's really disheartening and disappointing. Um, And Will is going to sign up to the newsletter before he places his order Because that's going to get him 10% off his first order Which is something you should all do Because that means whenever they've got a new call to sign You guys are going to find out about it first When they're doing cool stuff with us You're going to find out about it Because, look, these aren't just anybody's we picked off the street Offworld Tees are the people that me and Will trust with our own merchandise We trust them with your experience We want you guys to go somewhere and have a great customer experience with our t-shirts these are the people we trust for that, these are the people that are making Our shirts, we've worked with them on the design We've worked with them on the material, we've worked with them On on, on every bit of it, we, we love Um, And if you head over to the website Which I've said about a dozen times now uh, You're also going to be a to check out some blogs That I've been writing and we're going to get Will doing some As well in the future, yes. uh, my very first Blog for them is all about The most evil companies in movie History and it includes some we've just Talked about, it includes the Umbrella Corporation, it includes Wayland <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, it's been a little while since I've written a blog commercially. Uh, I've been distracted with comedy work and, well, comedy. It's still comedy because I can't help but, you know, uh, take the mic, as it were, uh, make jokes. But I've been so, like, I used to do an awful lot of this and sell my blog wares all over the place and have blogs published in newspapers and. Go viral and stuff and I just haven't done it in a while Because of the podcast and my comedy Stuff that I do Um, So it's been great to get back on the Tippity tippity type type Um, And yeah so from from here on out I'm going to regularly be having blogs Over at offworldtease.com So not only can you uh, check out some more stuff That I've been doing and have a laugh uh, But you can also get yourself some awesome things That payday treats You can uh, rep your favourite geekdom Your favourite fandom In the way that everyone else is allowed to do With their football shirts and their football jerseys Right And they've been able to do that for decades And now we can do exactly the same With a place that really understands Geek culture Offworldtees.com Our mailbag is bursting as ever I can see it there upon your lap Mr Preston Yes, uh, we've got quite a few here. George Bingham writes, In my
1: opinion, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the worst of the Spider-Man films. There are too many villains. It felt like they had to cram them all into the film. I did like Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield in this movie, but Garfield just doesn't feel right as Spider-Man. Overall, it's not great, but it's not
0: terrible. I think that's quite an astute observation, really, Uh, George. I think I I probably agree, although I, I... Liked Garfield more As Peter Parker And Spider-Man in this movie uh, um, Yeah I enjoyed I enjoyed his performance more yeah. I think perhaps I had more of a connection To the character Having seen the Previous movie I also will say as well uh, mm, I might not Because that sounds like spoilers So I'm just going to shut up and say I've seen something else with him in recently, and perhaps it built up another stronger connection to him. Um, I but,
1: yeah. wonder what that could be.
0: <laughs> I know, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I know it's everywhere. Know. Maybe, maybe that's a good one. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. No, I just don't want no, no, to upset stop, people. Stop,
1: stop obsessing. You're Unlike you're in the real world, where I'm scaring fine with the it. children, Rob. You're scaring the children. You're right.
0: Yeah. Adjusting yourself, cool. I... You don't need to tell them that, do you? You could just read the next letter. Sorry, sorry. It's <laughs> I just that... magic. My screen slightly. I. I, I, I <laughs> and you just. The
1: broke the fourth wall. No, no. What happened there was in in Rob's court You won't hear it, but I heard it. This massive, loud squeaking noise, and I'm like, that's got to be. Mentioned. Yeah, they probably
0: will hear that as well. Yeah, my wire just got caught underneath my laptop. Anyway. Is there another letter? I mean there definitely is, but why don't you read it now? There are
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah, we'll read letters. Don't comment on Rob's setup. Sam wrote in and said, Can't wait to order a t shirt.
0: Yes. Yes. So as I've said June first, June 1st, June the first.
1: First of June, June 1st, whichever side of the Atlantic you're on. So as I've said before, I really enjoyed the amazing Spider-Man movies, and I know that they are far from perfect. In the second, the best scene for me has to be the corridor scene at Oscorp when Peter helps Gwen get away from security. The cor- yeah. It is yeah. it is a good yeah, scene. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, well,
0: if it's the best scene, it's very, very good.
1: It, you look at it and it, it says, the choreography when Garfield spills the coffee over the first guard then ties the other two in knots is brilliant. Agreed. It was a, it was a very well done yeah. scene. The death of Gwen still gets me every time I see the film. The web forming her hand, reaching out for her is heartbreaking. Glad he got some redemption in No Way Home. I would have liked the deleted scenes of Pete Richard Parker to have been included in the movie especially after listening to your podcast and hearing about how his parents come back. I do think the movie suffers the in the same way as Spider-Man 3. Green Goblin feels shoehorned in and underdeveloped and also takes away from potentially expanding the Electro Max Dillon arc. Really looking the for Blue The Blue Riddler. Yeah. The, the
0: Blue Riddler. <laughs> so, so, sorry, the Blue Riddler. The Blue Riddler. Yeah. Fantastic. It's the Joel Schumacher character. It's you the Riddler know. from Batman Forever. We spoke about this online. He's the Blue Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he is. He does, he's the, like he's the J- Riddler from Batman Forever. It's exactly what he is. It's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah, it's true. Really looking forward to hearing your take on it. As always, thank you and keep up the good work. If you want to hear more about how Peter Parker's parents come back, Peter Parker's parents, um, Pink that's Pink another Pink Patreon pepper. exclusive. Um, we have this episode called. Um, I think it's called like Psychotic Spider-Man And uh, something of Peter Parker's parents And that one is Yeah, because Peter Parker's parents come back from the dead Things don't go very well Um, And that's a That's a big one we did a, a, a while back Sam is referencing there Thank you Sam
1: It was a huge one Okay, and we have Zach Thomas Who's emailed to say Hey boys I remember watching the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies in theaters when they came out. I absolutely loved them at the time. I was still young I didn't fully know the history of the Spider-Man character. They are very, uh, <clears throat> they are very, they're extremely visually pleasing to my child eyes, and I thought Andrew Garfield was really
0: funny. I Only- just want to pause you there and say, we love you, Zach. There's ever so slight, like tone, as if you're. in Maybe embarrassed by that We want to make sure that is not the case Man look The the way anyone comes to Marvel Is is cool it, There are all many routes to the promised land The way I came to Marvel was with Like really weird Shockingly out of date comics And like The cartoons that weren't that great Spider-Man and his amazing friends it might have been the first time I'd seen Spider-Man on the screen And I loved it if you watch it now, it's embarrassingly weird and cringy and and like dated and, and and you know I'm not saying that's the case with the Amazing Spider-Man films. I'm just saying that I really want to make sure that hashtag no gatekeeping is still at the forefront of our minds here on uh, Marvel vs Marvel, and that uh, even even if I mean I I only saw this recently. Zach, and I have to say there's loads in this movie that I liked So um, I really hope there's not a tone of embarrassment from anyone for liking this movie Like I said there, there are bits that you might think aren't great But there are bits that really work So yeah I just wanted to step in there Because no, 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 uh, I don't want Zach perfect. Thomas to feel down on his favourite Spider-Man movie
1: He continues Only when I watched them again as an adult Do I realise how rough the movies actually were Added with the major majority of Marvel fans hating on the ASM movies, I think it soured the movies for me even more. However, Gar- Andrew Garfield, in no way home, stole every scene he was in. I think he was amazing as Peter Parker, and it's sad that, that the horrible writing of the Amazing Spider-Man series prevented us from getting the best Andrew Garfield Spider-Man we could.
0: There's rumors- I, feel, I feel a little bit similar about the Jodie uh, Whittaker um, is Doctor Who. I, you know, I really like... Uh, her as an actress, and I actually really liked what she was bringing to the show. And I, but I, you know, the a lot of things about the writing just drove me off and made me think, "Ah, oh, I, I wish, I wish I could get a different like producer and writer behind this this character and this interpretation of the character that I really like." It just happens sometimes, doesn't it, in, in ongoing fandoms? Yeah, so.
1: It's, uh, what were you looking at? Uh, no, 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 sorry, I, 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 just, I just had to quickly check something. I'm very okay. unprofessional. Uh, there's rumours going around that he might make a return in his own Spider-Man films. I'm definitely curious as to if that's actually the case and wary of Sony's screwing the pooch again. Cough,
0: Morpheus. Screwing the pooch is one of my all-time favourite, favourite sayings. And I first remember reading it in a comic. And I think it might have been Brian Michael Bendis' powers, but I might be wrong. But the first, I had to read and reread this dialogue scene of like, what are they what are they how are they using that? What are they screwing the pooch? What does that mean? And I adore it to this day. You've you've never heard of that phrase? No. I just told a whole story about the first time I heard it. I just I did the whole were you not
1: No no no, I was listening. I I just okay, had to what say did it I say? again. I just what had did to I say? say it again. I'm like <laughs>
0: What did I just say?
1: You said you'd never heard it, and
0: I'm like, you've never. No, that's not what I said at all. What did I just say in that story? Don't know. <laughs> don't know. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, it's not just on the air. Sometimes it's we we'll be having a conversation, and then he'll just tell me the thing we allegedly just talked about. I don't know where he goes, but it's not here. It's not with us on this world. It's somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stephanie Morrow's, wants a t-shirt? I have honestly been waiting for you guys to do t-shirts for years. All my For fa- years? For years? We have been going for years. All my favourite podcasts have merch except for Rob and Will. And I thought it was never going to happen. I really hope they'll be available here in America because you've got so many listeners over here. I'll follow you on Twitter and I've seen the two designs you've got and I'm literally so excited. I'm going to have to get both shirts and I can't Wait to wear them when I'm going to see Marvel at the movies. Oh
0: yes, I hadn't even thought about that. How cool would that be? But I mean, well, um, Stephanie, um, they are absolutely uh, coming and being available in America. Yep, Um, uh, Offworldtees.com have a production hub in America. So that's how we're going to get our our t-shirts to you guys. It will be much um, easier and better and and uh, faster than you know trying to ship them from from the UK over there. So that's not a problem. Um, that's going to be great. And I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, selfies. So we want selfies yes. as well yes. when you've got these, especially in a. Especially if you're going to see a Marvel movie mm. Like that's so If you're reading a Marvel comic You're going to see a Marvel movie or something Or just around the house doing the washing up We uh, absolutely want to see you guys In your Your uh, your MVM t-shirts Yes we do um, Very excited about that Can't wait to get ours Can't wait to see all you guys in yours um, And so we got some real business to get to now Real well, business Real business. Yeah. It's not just business, it's business. Um, shouting out Peter J., Mikey W., Zach Thomas, who we've heard from, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, who we've heard from, Beer, and Sam, who we've also heard from, the world class <laughs> wrecking crew. Those are the guys that do the right thing each and every month. The top, top tier on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Those are the guys that double the top at the regular top amount at the bonus the, you know, the bonus content level. They go, We we're gonna get all that bonus content and we're gonna double the pledge because we're gonna contribute. We're gonna make sure that we stand out from the rest of the crowd, right? That we are doing what needs to be done. Because hey, look, no one puts more into a podcast than Will and me. Nobody, no, no, no. you can't find them. You cannot find them. Find me someone that's doing the level of detail we did on Doctor Strange 1978. You'll find someone chatting about it a bit. Isn't it silly? Isn't it camp? Isn't it old? You won't find them doing what we did. Um, you won't find people giving the right kind of context to uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. They're just going to pass it off. Oh, it's the worst one. It's the worst one. It's the worst one. Okay. But let's get into the night Gwen Stacy died And why it's important Let's, let's talk about Stanley being out of the country When the hit went down Let's get to the bottom <laughs> of it We pour blood, sweat, tears, hours of our lives Into these podcasts And some of you Some of you out there Give us nothing in return Give us nothing You download this And act like it's free And technically it is free But you act like what you're doing isn't somehow inherently wrong, and it is. It is wrong to get all of this, to take our thoughts and our words and our time for yourselves, and to give nothing back mm. to this community, to Will, to me. I don't want to say the word criminal, Will, but I, you know what it is. Well, you just did. We, we, yeah, well, we too along. late now. Yeah, it's criminal. That's why Peter J, Mikey W. Zach Thomas, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Basterby and Sam Are so important Because they're paying your way for you By doubling their pledge All the people over on Patreon.com Slash Marvel versus Marvel Are really digging deep and helping out But the top tier They do the right thing tier The world class wrecking crew They're really getting it done You know what, that's why they're getting uh, new video content exclusively. Yes. Uh, whenever mean will uh, watch a new superhero movie, we are since the Cheers for Two Years video went so well on Patreon. Whenever we watch a superhero something or other, we're going to get together and do like a an informal uh, discussion and take down, take apart, take down something. We're going to do something with it. Uh, film video content and it's only for the top tier. On top of that, you know what? T-shirts coming out Do the right thing Yep. Okay If you're at the do the right thing level You're going to get 20% off Your t-shirts Your Marvel vs Marvel t-shirts uh, That's the decision That's what's going to happen We're working with Offworld Tees to get special discount code Just for the do the right thing tier The most loyal supporters A special way of saying thank you um, To Peter J, Mikey W, Zach Thomas, Randall Schmidt George Bingham, Bastard Beer, Sam and Bindi as well That list is Mr. Bindi off um, It must be an old list That I've been looking at um, we, so love you, gonna, uh, we love you Bindi We love you Bindi All those uh, top Troubadours are going to get that Wonderful discount And hey head over to patreon.com Slash marvel versus marvel You do the right thing you contribute Don't just consume like a criminal then you're going to get bonus content in exchange Every single month we drop our spin-off show, Obscure Marvel A real spin-off show, not like Sinister Six, a sequel A real spin-off show, Obscure Marvel Where I take Will through some of the most Ridiculous moments in the history of Marvel Comics. This month It wasn't a person, it wasn't a villain It wasn't a hero Who was it, Will? What was it? What, <laughs> the first villain of the Marvel It, it was spider Spider-mobile. spidermobile, sorry. sorry. Yes. Oh god, the Spider Mobile. <laughs> And you enjoyed that. Come on. Okay. You said you thought it was better than the Batmobile. You loved it. You thought it was an original idea. You Batmobile. loved every Second of it. You're just using you're just using
1: my my heat-addled brain. You're basically doing what they did to Stan Lee. Quick! The sun's <laughs> got to quick, kill Gwen Stacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's been out in the back garden in the sun. Kill off his wife's too, character. He's
1: too warm. He's too warm. Make him sad. Uh, yeah, the, the Spider mobile is definitely not up there with the Batmobile, but it's memorable. Uh, I I like it as <laughs> a piece of meta text about being forced to write to to to, to shut Oh, something. it's
0: tremendous! The fourth wall breaking fourth, that they do. Yeah, it's a bit a nice
1: bit of meta text. It's quite intelligent for what it actually it's a, is.
0: It's a great Stan Lee story as well. Stan as president and. Uh, on top of that, you—I believe—you said it is Peter Parker's darkest hour. You came away from that episode really disliking Peter Parker. I have to, um, I have to say, like when Stacy
1: dying was just a breath of fresh air compared <laughs> to this abominable four-wheeled monstrosity.
0: That spin-off show is available to every single person that contributes, even if you're at the the entry level of three Brexit pounds a month. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody gets gets that. You go up a tier, you can get early access to every episode. I mean, this episode comes out on a Monday, unless you are one of the special chosen people—not um, our Jewish friends, sorry, our <laughs> patrons—and whenever you are one of the special uh, people on our Patreon, you get access to uh, Marvel vs Marvel on a Friday. So you get to spend oh, that's three days earlier. I don't, I can't think of any other podcast that gives access three. It's usually like a day. Sometimes it's like a few hours before. Sometimes it's a day before, three whole days before. You know we're doing big things for uh, anyone that wants to get early access. You get to spend the weekend with uh, with me and Will, mm. and then you go up to the uh, not the tippity top tier, but the tasty tier, the VIE, the tasty tier, the VIEP tier. Make yourself a very important executive producer. Trademark Marvel versus Marvel. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good bit of. Uh, that's a good bit of uh, marketing, that VIEP. Yeah, very good. Not just a VIP, and uh, not just an EP, a VIEP. Brilliant. A very important executive producer. That means you get access to not just obscure Marvel every month, not just early access, but you also get access to our full length bonus episodes each and every month, where we do a full show like this, but not a movie or a TV show. A, an important, a cool, a fascinating Marvel story from the uh, from the annals of, of Marvel time. Um, I b- work to make sure they kind of tie into something going on. And this uh, this month, we with Multiverse of Madness out there, Doctor Strange, Wonder, her children. I thought it's about time we go and do a sequel to House of M. Yes, it is. Avengers slash X-Men Children's Crusade It's the full Story behind Wanda's children It's the full story behind Wanda's madness That we looked at in our House of M Episode It's the full story of the destruction of the Original Avengers It's the return Of Kate Bishop and the Young Avengers The return of the very Popular Iron Lad Mm Mm-hmm if you haven't heard those episodes, this won't mean anything to you But you've got to get on board It's also Avengers versus X-Men The, the very near outbreak of war It was a big, big episode, wasn't it, Will? Oh, humongous It's, it's, it's over it's, two hours, I believe It's up there with the others It's up there with Age of uh, Apocalypse Yeah,
1: 1602 It's up there with the others It's a fantastic episode
0: There's an awful lot of moving parts with the young Avengers With Cap and Iron Man with uh, with Wanda, with her past, her children, the X Men. It's a great Cyclops story. Like you came away again yeah, with a, just a very different opinion of of Cyclops
1: because we've always discussed him as being a bit of a goody two shoes, and I like in, these in the bits. cartoons. Yeah, in the in, movies. Yeah, and in and in the comics, it's like, oh, he's actually worth rooting for.
0: Hundred percent. We we. We we got a touch of that I think in um, Our Dark Phoenix um, Episodes and then yeah again Here in Children's Crusade That's the bonus episode This month um, Head on over to patreon.com Slash marvel Versus marvel that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n Dot com Slash marvel versus marvel Do the right thing It's been a monster episode so far as we really take a look at one of the most important chapters in Marvel history. Not necessarily the film, but one of the big events that inspired the film that is part of this movie... Mm um we've uh, we've gone behind the scenes we'll taken us ably behind the scenes on the the production of the uh, the spider franchise at sony we've gone behind the page and looked at the uh, the, the conspiracy to murder Gwen stacy while <laughs> stanley's back we've listened to the most important people in the world we've paid some bills we've talked about our t-shirts are dropping on the 1st of june we've redirected everyone to offworldtees.com where they can read my blog and check out awesome t-shirts and merch only one thing left to do and that's to really get into it will i hand the reins over to you
1: in the past oscorp scientist richard parker peter parker's father steal his work sorry steals his work from the company and makes a hasty retreat carrying the leather briefcase with all his notes as we saw from the events in the First film, the scientist realises that his actions have put his family in jeopardy, forcing him and his wife to leave the country, leaving their only son Peter with Aunt May. As they fly to their next destination on a chartered jet, Richard realises that the pilot has been compromised with an assassin put in his place. While held at gunpoint, Richard secretly uploads his work on his laptop with the assassin commandeering the only parachute as well as Richard's computer. Before he can escape, his wife enters and a scuffle ensues before Richard knocks the hitman out cold. The next moment... Boom! The The good old
0: Parker right hook. Yeah!
1: The next moment, the plane spins out of control, waking up the assassin and the two fight, causing the gun to go off and depressurizing the cabin. Before the aircraft hits the ground,
0: Richard watches his laptop finally complete the upload. Do you think when the assassin woke up, there was a brief moment where... You know when you wake up and you don't know where you are and you think everything's nice because you're at home. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, what's going on?" Do you think he, in that brief moment, he forgot he was an assassin out to murder people, and he was like, "Oh, I reckon he's really what I'm gonna (laughs) ah, I'm on a plane. It's we're gonna die No, I reckon he's really sharp.
1: Like he wakes up and immediately, it's like Windows 10 booting on a solid state hard drive. (laughs) It's like 10 (laughs) seconds in, good bam. Um, I have to say, this is a really good start to the film.
0: I think all the action scenes play really well in this movie. Yeah, it's a much better start to the uh, the the previous one.
1: Much better start. Also, which that was ha- just
0: a weird thing of people leaving in the night, and there's a little boy who's alone. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's
1: I, it was. This is this is great. We're into the action. Hans Zimmer soundtrack, great. We got a ha- bit of Hans Zimmer in there. It was good so far in it.
0: Yeah, uh, what, wasn't yeah, what's his best? Granted. It's it's it is quite nice to have a rest from old Danny Elfman. <laughs> Danny the <laughs> Elf, <laughs> Elf <laughs> Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, everything's
1: whimsical. Great. So, last time we spoke about Peter Parker's Peter Parker's I can't say it. It's <laughs> hard, isn't it? Peter Parker's parents. Peter Parker's pa- parents. You told us that in the comic books they were secret agents for the CIA. Do we know much else about that?
0: Not a lot. Um, There's not a huge amount written about them Uh, because that was like a retcon that Stan Lee did a little bit later on.
1: Yeah. Peter,
0: Peter, remember Pete's in the attic and he finds um (laughs) he finds their like passport (laughs) or ID, and then underneath it is That ID that says "I'm a secret agent." (laughs) Oh, it's something weird like that. Um, But there is like 1997. Marvel did um, a company-wide event called a flashback event Yeah And for the, for the whole month, the entire line of Marvel Comics um, published like one-off stories Revealing an untold tale about the character's past um, And they were also retro stories that allowed creative teams to revisit a particular different art style Or a different character from the Silver Age and sometimes the Bronze Age, it was a really cool gimmick. I bought, I think I bought nearly all of them, because um, it was, it was. I didn't buy the Deadpool one because I didn't like Deadpool, but it was a cool <laughs> kind of idea. So Generation X, which is a Marvel mutant team, um, that where where Banshee is the one of the, the headmaster of, of of Xavier's school, and he teaches the new up and comers. So that flashback event was just a story about. Um, Banshees past working for Interpol didn't feature any of the other characters, mm. you know. So they, but they they did it in an older Silver Age style. There's a, particularly one for this one. It was Untold Tales of Spider Man. It was called, um, and they did the whole issue was not about Spider Man, but about uh, Richard and Mary Parker. Uh uh-huh. um, And we saw them as CIA agents working abroad. Um, and they found a thread of a mystery about a kidnapped agent, and they didn't know who this person was. Agent 10. Yeah. Um, and they knew it was an American, it wasn't an American agent, and had been kidnapped by Baroness something weird. Von von Koop or Von Krupp. Von Krupp. Baroness Von Krupp. Um, and she and they over they they stuck up on a boat and she was like bragging and they got some secrets and she was like I right, now I have agent 10 I will do everything evil mm. and then they go back to speak to um, the the US ambassador in, in France where they were based out of where they were working out of and he was like ah yeah okay um, uh, agent 10 is an operative for a, a friendly power not America, but a friendly power And they're working with the CIA in India You guys have got to pick up this thread Go out there and try and save Agent 10 Because we need that person To be okay So they head out to India And they get into all sorts of trouble They get kidnapped, captured by the Baroness And they found out the Baroness is working with Wolfgang von Strucker
1: oh. The
0: head of Hydra yes. Who's cropped up in many marvellous things Yeah, I know, not know um, and they, they learn while they're being uh, chained up and, in, and slightly interrogated They, they find out that, that uh, Von Strucker has been torturing Agent 10 for a full week And Agent 10 has only revealed one thing And that's their first name And that name is Logan um, So this is a Wolverine story as well oh. um, And uh, yes, they managed to... Rescue Logan and blow everything up and escape But Baron Von Trucker is still alive And But yeah, um, Peter Parker's parents Rescue Logan pre-Weapon X program Pre-Claws, uh, pre-Metal Claws and all of that um, Back when he's working for uh, the Canadian Secret Service And, you know, the, the very last bit at the end is uh, Logan's like, hey Thanks for saving my life Bob He was a bit friendly <laughs> at the time um, And then uh, Logan hears the news at the same time Richard Parker does That uh, Mary Parker is Pregnant with little Peter uh, One month pregnant And I think it ends with um, Richard saying something like Whatever my son is I know one thing He's going to be Amazing! <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's kind of God. the line they ended on. Amazing. He's going to be spectacular, Spider. He's going to be spectacular. He's going to be untold tales of. That's what my son's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was yeah. That's the that's, that's I think that's probably the only little uh, secret spy agent yeah. thing they ever really did about the Parkers. Um, okay, that's pretty- and even that is is you know ninety seven. That's decades after. The last time there was a story about them In the in the 60s or early 70s I think Amazing Back to the story In modern
1: day New York City Spider-Man pursues Alexei Sietzvich. Is Did I get that right? Why would I know? Oh it's Sietzvich A Russian thug who has hijacked An Oscor truck carrying plutonium <laughs> While this is happening Max Dillon an electrical engineer for Oscorp is clumsily carrying some blueprints through the streets and is almost struck by flying cars when the hijacked truck collides into traffic but is saved by Spider-Man who continues the pursuit. After retrieving some of the plutonium and letting Alexei escape he gets a call from Gwen Stacy. Today is graduation day and he is incredibly late. After a tense phone call, Spider-Man catches up to the truck, which jackknifes into a bus, forcing the web-slinger to drag it to a halt. Pursuing the Russian thug on foot, Spidey quickly webs up and knocks him out before swinging to graduation in the nick of time. So quite a few thoughts at this point. Uh, Garfield's, Andrew Garfield's quips genuinely made me laugh in some of these. Yeah, I,
0: I think they were great. I, I felt, you know, maybe it's because in the first... The, when we looked at the first film, I was a little maybe combative about this whole Garfield's the first funny Spider-Man, and I was like, "No, nope, no, that's wrong." No, no. I, um, I, I had the same argument with with Tim Shelton, my friend, and I was yeah. like, "It's like Toby McGuire was funny as well." Che- the problem is the the audience wants The jokes to be funny And Spider-Man's jokes aren't funny They're cheesy He's a cheesy guy <laughs> He's dumb, he's goofy and silly um, But I think I appreciated the jokes a lot more In this one The quips oh, I thought were stronger Or maybe I was just in, in a better receive mode
1: You know when uh, there was that point 2014-2015 uh, Where Marvel movies suddenly Got a lot funnier it felt yeah, the, like the that, MCU. Yeah, yeah, the MCU suddenly got a lot funnier. There, there's in 2004, fourteen, what? 2014.
0: Oh, I don't know that. No, I, well, I, I don't know that. I, I think I it's I ever know, funny got, from the get-go.
1: Well, they, they are they are funny, but there was a, there was a point where, two, uh, where like after Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, it felt like they're ramping up the scripts. To sure, be that, that and M- Ant Man, yeah,
0: and then the yeah. weird Thor movie. The with
1: yeah. hey hey, it's fine, it's fine. Um, you get a bit of that with this I feel. You get you're getting a little bit more of that natural, quite witty, quite, you know, organic dialogue and it and it's good. How-
0: I certainly think that the scenes between Garfield and Stone just carry so much at everyone oh, yes. even if you hate this movie, everyone talks about their charisma. On screen, but there's a lot of a lot of natural joke. It feels like you're watching two people who generally kind of know each other and, and are kind of slightly flirting, but are friends. It's yeah, yeah, it, it that, works well. A lot of that we'll get on to. However, the Spider-Man CGI
1: in that some of these scenes doesn't look good.
0: I I yeah. I notice now terrible uh, green screen slash blue screen in loads of modern movies, and I hate it. Mm. I don't notice bad CGI in this movie. Um, but but it, some people some people are attuned to different things. I think. I, I think it's just
1: uh, with with good CGI, it's hard to notice. It's hard to. But with like, there were some bits where he was jumping around in the back of the truck, and I was like, oh, that's definitely CGI. It doesn't. It's completely cartoony. Right. And It, it really took me out of the film for a second. Uh, also, nothing
0: beats practical effects.
1: Pra- oh man, uh, I don't want to start uh, going on about how great uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is because that's the. Whoa. Amazing, uh, Paul Giamatti playing this Russian thug. Uh, I've never seen him in a good film. Fun fact: the only other films I saw him in were Man on the Moon and the Tim Burton remake of Planet of the Apes.
0: Um, he's one of my favourite actors, genuinely, and I've come I've come here with with bars. First good, of all, good. you don't like Man on the Moon? Ah, eh. oh, I don't, I I don't think lot. it was
1: that good. I think I don't think it was bad, but for what it was, this was like Jim Carrey's. First, for, you know, first major foray into a se- fairly serious movie, and the subject matter. I, I think the subject, the actual subject matter itself, was way more interesting than the film, and the film did get some of it right. But I just think it got some, something, something about it didn't land land right with
0: me. Well, Paul G. Matty has been in seven Private Ryan, twelve years a slave, straight out of Compton, uh, which are kind of big ones I that he need he's, to rewatch. Saving you know, Private Ryan. He's also, I think. It, I think an awful lot of his <coughs> you're not I understand where you're coming from, and it makes sense, so his kind of like heyday he had he's in a lot of small comedy dramas that are very good yeah. they are very good. His breakthrough is in sideways in the mid noughts yeah. um which is about depressed middle aged men on a winery road trip that sounds It's good incredible. He's in, he's this leading American Splendor, which is a biopic about an underground comic book legend called Harvey uh, Pecker that's not f- particularly funny, mm. but it's kind of a good biopic. Um, he's in Cold Souls, which is fascinating. Uh, he plays a fictionalized version of himself who <laughs> wants to save his soul by hiring a company to put his soul into deep freeze storage. That's. A fun an interesting watch. Um Barney's version is really good. It's about a guy who starts to lose his memory. There's um, a uh wrestling one, winner, the winners, the the win loss, I think, where he plays a wrestling coach. Um yeah, so those kind of comedy drama mm. films from that kind of period of time, but they're not exactly big, they're not Knock around big money comedies, nor are they big dramas. That's his sweet spot. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then at some point, he's also in, um, I think it's called Billions. Bili- which That's like, where I've seen him. I wondered if that show was any good. There's, there's some tipping yeah. point where he goes, Oh, it's Cinderella Man, one of my favourite. I love Cinderella Man, great boxing movie. Um, there's a tipping point where he goes, I'm going to be in fun, silly movies and cartoons, and that's what I do now. And I quite like and respect that. Um he's in one of my favourite weirdly one of my favourite Christmas movies, despite the presence of the monster Kevin Spacey. There's a movie called Fred Claus which is about yeah. Vince Vaughan plays um Father Christmas's uh, what do they call it America? Santa Claus's like Down and his look brother. I love that movie. I love the message of it, which is you got it wrong right from the start. Every kid deserves a present at Christmas. There are no bad kids. Yeah, there are yeah, bad like parents. Anyway, he's in that. It's <laughs> oh, good. I like that. Uh, I just had to step in for my boy. You said it, no, no. Matty. no,
1: but well, part. The, it's good thing you do that because I was actually going to say,
0: "Can you recommend me ah, any good So I if, sideways, yeah. Um, Barney's version, big time. Um, Cold Souls is not exactly hilarious, but it's really—it's almost like a um, writing this down. What's the guy? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind oh. and being John Malkovich. Um, that kind of thing, where yeah. it's not—you wouldn't exactly call it science fiction, but there's a high concept element to it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so those ones. Yeah. And Straight Outta Compton's kind of good. It's, it's a major. Twelve Years a Slave is—you know—it's—it's it's not. An easy watch, but it's very rewarding
1: Yeah, I, feel, I mean, that was the, that was an overwhelmingly good film, apparently I, I will get around to what... It's like, it's like, I feel like with those films, it's like Get Out You know there's going to be an uncomfortable social commentary to it
0: Get Out is one of the best films I have ever, ever seen Oh, it's so Ever good. I've still only seen it that once at the cinema And I had such an incredible experience People were yelling at the screen at the end of that movie it, almost pleading with a, for a happy ending. It was incredible. Yeah, I, I, I've never had an experience like that in the cinema um, in in that in that serious way. It was just a brilliant, brilliant it, movie. If you like that, uh, seriously, watch Atlanta. It, it touches on that at times. I've seen Atlanta. You okay. keep talking about it. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've seen it. <laughs> New, the current season that's airing even more so. Yeah, it? I don't. I don't enjoy it as much as in Get Out, but yeah, okay. it's a fun show. Anyway, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's, I wouldn't say it's huge. I mean, I wouldn't. There's commentary, but social commentary with uh, Get Out's but, an amazing horror movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it
0: is. It is. It's a great horror film. It's not exactly a, a directly. Yeah, um, I tell you what though, I do. There are actors that I feel the same way about, and I go, I like you know the rapper actor Common. I don't he know. has never been in a good movie. <laughs> he is, I like the guy. I like some of his music. I like how he comes across. He's not a bad actor, but he cannot pick a good movie to be in. Every time there's a movie and I'm going, "Should I watch this?" I just I do the common check and I go, "No commons in it. I'm not watching that." He cannot he has a bad eye for movies or his agent does. He just keeps picking stinkers.
1: That's unfair. Anyway, uh back to Spider-Man 2. Uh during the scene That pile up of police cars Was genuinely impressive
0: Agreed Genuinely yeah.
1: impressive And I loved that shot Of Gwen's late father Looking at him From hallucination Captain Stacy Captain yeah. Stacy That was yeah. a
0: really nice touch I really liked it To try that. and Because it I thought it was good Because it, it kind of felt like Peter's kind of forgotten The promise he made yeah. On the deathbed Yeah And it's all um, like
1: Oh yeah it, Or is, is, it, is it Subconsciously In the back of his head Knowing he's done something wrong that he's kind of forgotten. Yeah, it's not a ghost. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if you're going to have uh, this sort of thing, put ghost in it. Put, put ghost, ghost in it. Make it interesting. Put ghost in it. Put ghost in it.
0: I like to think in every movie where there's a over <laughs> It's actually a movie about someone with psychic powers that no one else can hear. <laughs> it's just a little a little little bit of fun I like to have on my own. <laughs> Why can no one hear this he's psychic, can't you hear him? <laughs> or he's the, talking you with
1: his mind. Or it's or it's the ghost from the sixth that's screaming at everybody, Why I'm here! Look, pay attention to me. Anyway, continuing the film. After graduation, Peter is reluctant to celebrate with Gwen and her family when he remembers Gwen's father, the late George Stacy, telling Peter to leave Gwen out of his life. Frustrated at Peter's reluctance to take a chance with her, she ends their relationship. As the citizens and media of New York celebrate, uh, sorry, debate as to whether Spider-Man is a hero or not, uh, Max Fillon obsessed over sp- obsesses over Dun. Spider-Man. Sorry? Dylan Max, oh, there must be some kind of Max Dylan. Okay, Max Dylan. I think there was an autocorrect there. Obsesses over Spider-Man and his chance encounter with him. The electrical engineer leads a very lonely life, and today is his birthday, which he promises will be amazing. (laughs) Sorry, call back to that other thing. My my son will be amazing. (laughs) Sorry,
0: at the I felt. I felt that some of some of, of Max's terrible life had parallels to not terrible life, but you know had parallels to Pete's lonely life in Spider Man Two.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's it's that same where he's, dingy bedsit.
0: Yeah, he's pushed Mary Jane away because he can't be with her. Yep. and he's got a crap job and he hasn't got any friends because he's got no time for them because he's Spider Man and he's got that crap little bedsit and yep. all of that. It's, there are, and that's important. There 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 should be parallels between. A character that gets given great power... And Spider-Man...
1: That felt like a wasted opportunity there... You're right... Didn't didn't notice that... Yeah they didn't do it
0: quite hard enough but...
1: Yeah... At the Osborne residence... Harry Osborne visits his terminally ill father... Who reminds him... That his condition is genetic... And it will before Norman's son... Later in life... Wanting his son to succeed... Where he failed and knowing death is incredibly near... Norman bestows Harry... With all the data... That he's worked on at Oscorp <clears throat> later, Norman passes away so i've a lot of people i remember when this came out a lot of people were talking about jamie fox's ability, and i'm going to come out and say it I generally have no idea <laughs> if he was doing a good or bad job
0: <laughs> i don't know i'm the same i'm the same i don't he he's he is a in outside of this role, where he's right now playing a geek, yeah, like a socially awkward geek, he's a very charismatic and magnetic magnetic personality. He's a lovely when you boy. You see him on talk shows and talking; he's great. And when you see him in movies, he's just exactly the same. Yeah, he does. He does. He's not playing a role of any kind. I've never seen. Um, but here, I yeah, I I don't know what happened in this movie. I yeah,
1: yeah. Y- y- you can't you can't go down from fifth gear to second like that play a geek when we were an amazingly charismatic Jamie Fox it just felt like was it uh, too, was he was he putting on too much or not enough I can't I literally can't tell I can't tell if it's good or bad
0: I, I think he is so cool it's just such an uphill struggle for him to play <laughs> um, kind of other role this is true
1: also it's really hard to, it's really hard to accept uh, Chris Cooper. As Norman Osborne, because oh, sorry, Willem Dafoe is my Norman Osborne. It's
0: they shouldn't have done it. They we should have just had a funeral. Yeah, we should have never seen Norman. If you're going to do Harry Osborne, which you shouldn't do, if you're going to do the Osborns and the Green Goblin, which you shouldn't be doing, yes, just have we should see a funeral and you could have his business partner or. The but whoever's the executor of the estate pass things on and give the warning about oh and your father was considered you don't we don't need to see someone trying to be Norman Osborn because it's exactly. just not gonna work.
1: Yeah, I mean Chris Cooper did all right, but it was like it was there was nothing for him to do in that role. He just had to look disgusting and die. So yeah, in the comic books, is there anything genetic passed down from Norman to Harry Osborn? Because this felt like. Entirely invented for the film.
0: Uh, fire up uh, image one if you can. Oh, here we go. The so, first image I sent to you. The
1: answer? Have you got it? I'm. I'm I have amazing internet, but not tonight. Uh, <laughs> okay, firing up image one. The answer
0: is his hair, <laughs> because <laughs> the Osborns <laughs> share the most weirdest hair in the history of comic books. It's it a... is bizarre, and only Norman and Harry Osborne have this hair. Nothing, nobody else ever in any comic book or any image anywhere has had hair like this.
1: It's black. It's red. It's a widow's peak. It's Jerry curls. It's every haircut ever.
0: It's a terrible receding hairline and widow's peak, isn't it? It's, um, oh. and then it's got these. Uh, I, I, I've never worked out what these. He's got. So it's brown hair but with darker brown kind of ridges going through it And I've no idea what they're meant to be But it is genetic So it's not a thing they've done to their hair I've no idea It's like ridged widow peak hair And the widow peak is so intense it looks like an M on their head It's brilliant Um, It'd It'd be funny if that hair was so bad it did actually cause them to die <laughs> well, the, the whole time he's there's all this language of soon what I have will befall you. I was I was giggling thinking it's going to be your hair, mate. Gonna, <laughs> that hair's done for. Speaking You're going to have a sp- terrible hairline. Speaking as a man who suffers from uh, you must know that the the, pattern, pattern, the, the, the sorrow yeah. of this. The sorrow, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, th- 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 in, th- th- to be serious for a moment, um, yeah. I mean, th- th- Norman has an unstable personality disorder of some kind, even beyond the. Uh Goblin serum or formula. He, he's and- he's
1: brought up in a rich family. Of course, he's got a <laughs> well, personality yeah, personality disorder of some.
0: Kind. Well, no, Norman Osborn <laughs> wasn't. I think he's a self-made man. Oh no, no, I was talking um- about Harry Osborn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's definitely in in, in recent comics. Uh, well, you know, within the last fifteen. 15- 20 years or so um, I think Harry's talked about his fears of Succumbing to like Osborne His dad's madness And there's a lot of like therapy and medication and stuff To try and help Harry out But some of that is recovering from addiction And some of that is Inherited from his father His uh Propensity for some sort of personality oh, this sort of The wild mood swings and things
1: Thank the lord I didn't Succumb to my father's madness Just good old fashioned Chemical addiction
0: <laughs> <laughs> And, this hairline. and this hairline I'd have a chemical addiction With that hairline I tell you
1: That, that hair looks like it was drawn by a Five year old
0: <laughs> And I love when it crops up You can see in that picture they've replicated it in the Cartoons and yeah. TV shows They've never been brave enough to do it on in in live No,
1: no, no. Anyway, that evening, Max is coerced by his boss to work late and watch over a tank of genetic. It's the
0: Riddler. It's the Riddler. This is exactly how the Riddler goes in Batman Forever. Does it? I think well, he roughly, yeah, he has a flare-up with a someone at work he doesn't like, and he's working late. And then there's an accident that gives him Riddler powers, or something <laughs>
1: yeah, stupid. He has the power to create riddles, <laughs> and he has an
0: obsession with Bruce Wayne, who's dismissive towards him, and uh, he uses his new Riddler powers to get back at it. Oh it's my
1: god, Blue Riddler! You're right. you know absolutely. Uh, I just thought you were, you know, picking the nearest thing you could find, but nope. you actually have a brain. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. So that evening, Max is coerced to work over to watch over a tank of genetically engineered electric eels. As he hums "Happy Birthday" alone and repairs a cable, he is suddenly shocked and falls into the eel tank, suffering intense electric shocks until the tank bursts. The next day, at an Oscorp business, uh, board meeting, the new owner. Harry Osborne promotes Felicia Hardy to his assistant before catching up with Peter Parker, his long-lost friend, who's come to lend a shoulder after Norman's passing. Meanwhile, Oscorp's vice president, Donald Menken, is concerned for Oscorp's future in the hands of a CEO so young, not to mention Max's fatal lab accident the night before, and pays a specialist to make sure that Max's death is not made public. Okay, so, Dane DeHaan, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it, he does a fantastic job of being an even creepier Harry Osborne than James Franco, who, to be fair, has a natural advantage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, well, yeah. I, yeah. I never found that Harry Osborne... I mean, I, I, I thought Franco was good as the kind of douchey... Rich yeah. guy. I don't think he was good as a villain at all. I think he's a very, very limited actor. Yeah, he's um,
1: incredibly uh, limited. It, it, uh, the only, the only thing I've ever seen him do where it's different was uh, the Disaster Artist, where he basically did a Tommy mm-hmm. Wiseau impression for the entire film,
0: which is so broad. Who couldn't do that?
1: Everyone could. I, I tell you what. I enjoyed that film because I do love The Room and I've read the book and and and, and you know I was getting everything and I enjoyed it. But it's like you do think about it and go, "It's isn't exactly a career defining role." It's just it, anyway. Also, uh, Daya uh in this film has the haircut of an eight-year-old boy.
0: Yeah, it, it's I weird. don't I can't work out how to say it suits what he does, but it really does. He it, it, it doesn't look like a cool person haircut. It makes him look like a little mama's boy, a little weirdo, a little. Creepy and yeah, I think yeah. I, th- I think
1: with that and the smirk and everything, he gives off Damien vibes. That's, yeah, definitely. That's what I'm getting. So let's let's talk about uh, Max Dillon. This 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 is how Electrocase's powers. Right, he falls into a vat of electric eels in the comics.
0: I hear you singing in the wire. I can hear you through the wine. And the Wichita lineman. I don't know this song, Rob. I don't like it. Is still on the line. Um, he, Max Dillon, was a lineman for the county. Um, that is less on. exciting. <laughs> You'd think electric eels would give someone electric powers. That sounds ludicrous. No, <laughs> no, genetically he's, engineered
1: electrical eels. I'll have. He's you know. he's
0: a lineman. He's an electrical engineer. He goes up the poles and sorts out the electrical lines. He's a lineman for the county, well, for a utility company. Um, and uh, Glen Campbell. But by the way, Glen Campbell, uh, lineman for the county, uh, which is a lineman, Glen Campbell. And do you know what? His the backing band that recorded on that song. Do you know what they were called? No. The Wrecking Crew, just ah, like our world class Wrecking Crew. Well, there we go. Like, amazing. What a coincidence. So, Max Dillon was a lineman for the county. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I just, it's just that song. It will be in my head forever. Um, so electrical engineer that goes up the poles And sorts out the overhead electrical, out, uh, electrical wires And power dispensers For uh, electrical companies But Max was a knob uh, <laughs> One of his <laughs> colleagues Was stuck on a pole During electrical overload And a storm And he was unconscious but tight Because he couldn't get down um, And Max's boss is like We've got to help him Max, you're the best guy At going up and down the poles You've got to help him and Max just slowly smokes a cigarette and is like, that's not my job, and I don't do anything unless I'm getting paid, including save someone. And his boss is like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And he's like, if you weren't the best pole man in the business, I'd can your ass right now. He's <laughs> like, fine. I'll, and Max is like, i would I, I save him. I didn't spend three years at pole university for this. <laughs> I, I I think it, I don't, I don't know how long it takes, but it's a tough juice, a tough job, not an easy job. Um, <sighs> Max is like, I'll go and save him, but uh, you've got to pay me a big bonus. So his boss uh, acquiesces and pays him, and he sh- sh- shimmies up that pole like a whippet and he uh, unhooks him and lo- slowly lowers like the unconscious guy down from the top of the pole, mm. and then the power line and Max is struck by a blast of lightning.
1: I knew it. I saw it um,
0: coming. And here is the line from the 60s. I should have been killed instantly, but by a fantastic freak of fate, Stanley Lee Ryan, obviously, a fantastic freak of fate, due to the way I had been grasping the electrical wires, the two bolts of current cancelled each other out, Does and that- I felt better, stronger than ever. Do you know... I I, I I haven't
1: read any Marvel comics, but I tried reading the original Batman comics, and it's the absolute verbosity of everything that always, that makes it so hard to read sometimes. Cause it's yeah, too too you love much. that stuff, though. You, you, you could reduce that to my body's changing. I have become something more than man from this fateful accident. And it's like that's all you need. And then they're going, ha-ha, let's explain it right
0: down to the detail. Like,
1: no, don't do that. Let us fill in the blanks.
0: Later that day, Max Dillon grabs a coat hanger and starts shooting electricity everywhere. And he's like, ah! Uh, And he can shoot electricity from his hands. Um, And he found out that he had been charged in that accident with electricity and become a living generator. Does the science hold up? It never does. Stan Lee again hears something and goes, Ah, that's science. I'll put that into Iron Man.
1: Have have they ever uh, referred to Electro as Supervillain Max Dillon? <laughs> Sadly not, but they're missing their trick, aren't they? Max Dillon, supervillain. That would Oh god, I should be getting paid. For everything I actually I do, uh, you do
0: get paid. <laughs> this show does pay you for this. It does get uh, it should
1: pay me <laughs> for in, great lines like that? You get paid. Uh, Premium property. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, in the original stories, uh, Peter and Harry are old childhood friends, like this, aren't, aren't they?
0: No, absolutely not. No, oh. no, no. They don't go to the same school or anything like that. They, their families don't know each other um they don't meet until they're both attending uh university empire state university the fictional marvel new york manhattan based university um harry is you know very wealthy he's like the wealthiest person there with his student there of course and he's also very popular he's a very nice he's a nice man. he's a very cool guy mm. he's a party guy he's a rich party guy so you know he has a lot of Party people. Um, he has a clique of of you know popular students, which include Gwen Stacy, um, and Mary Jane, and um, Flash would come later, I think, because he doesn't go to university with them. Um, Gwen uh, at the start is intrigued by a, a a new student, a bookish, studious, and painfully shy Peter Parker. The problem with uh, Pete around this time Is that he's been bullied his entire life And doesn't have friends Or trust other people But also Peter is written I think we talked about this when we talked about Flash Way back in our first Spider-Man episode Peter is written as having this Aloof nature To other people Like I I think it eased By the end of the 60s Um, But on uh, with those social problems and on top of his aunt may is very 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 ill for a, like a year or two in 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 comic in the comic book publishing world mm. um so that's not like a year or two in real time um that's a weird sentence forget that she's <laughs> ill um and he's always having to turn down um, invitations to party and hang out and go for a coffee and 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 you know be a stu- be it be a kid be a youngster he 's always like no i 've got things to do and some of that is to be spider man and some of that is to um go and look after aunt may and just like at school, Harry and everyone else dislike him because they they they, 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 th- they take that off as snobbery yeah they take it as standoffishness and snobbery. Eventually Harry confronts Peter about it all And goes, oh, you're just Really shy and weird (laughs) (laughs) And your aunt's sick Oh, oh, okay Right, we'll still invite you to places Then, and they, Peter gets Into the gang and they become friends and also he starts A relationship with Gwen and it all starts to Kind of, he gets in, we talked About this in um, I think the last Amazing Spider-Man show This kind of period of time where Peter Parker is cool, he gets a motorbike and uh, he he becomes handsome in the drawings by John Romita, and uh, yeah, it's kind of the golden age of of Spidey stories. The 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 gang is like um, because Harry and Peter move in together. They they mm. uh, Harry's like come and live in my massive like apartment that my dad pays for because you are very broke and I don't care. It's fine. So oh. <laughs> yeah, you get kind of like. Um, Harry starts dating Mary Jane, so there's that as a couple, and then Peter and Gwen are a couple. So that's kind of the nucleus of this little, that's this little really thing. And Harry doesn't, nice know and comfortable. That, sorry, that's really nice and comfortable, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't last. But yes, that's why that is a big part of why it is kind of viewed as like the golden age of Spidey stories. Is because it is quite, it is quite nice. It, it's 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 very. I I feel a particular way about it as well, and I. I read them when I, I read those late sixties, seventies stories when I was a teenager, not when I was in my, you know, under ten. And and yeah, I I, I don't know. I think there was a little bit of wish fulfillment as well. It was like yeah. I'd like to have some older cool friends and go to university and have a motorbike and live in a cooler pot. It was a little bit of that. You don't get an awful lot of wish fulfillment um kind of or yeah, you don't get an awful lot of that in Spider Man because it's immediately slapped down with TRAGEDY! <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Back to the film.
1: In a morgue that evening, the body of Max Fillon, supervillain, after interfering Dylan. with Dylan. Max, I've written down his fit. Right. I think you want to write Fillion. I, I'm going to have to quickly check this. Check He's what? like, I'm going to have to check. Is he actually called Max Dillon?
0: He's called, movement, Why have I
1: written Max Villain?
0: You're a silly boy. You're powered by ignorance. Get the t shirt now. There we go. Well, not now. June 1st. Get the t shirt anyway, June 1st. The body powered of, by ignorance.
1: The body of Max Dillon, supervillain, after interfering with all electrical objects in the room, jerks away and stumbles out, shorting every device as he goes. As Max wanders towards Times Square, he feels the city's electricity all around him like a sixth sense. Elsewhere, Peter meets up with Gwen where she tells Parker that she may be moving to England if she earns a scholarship to Oxford University. Sensing that something is wrong, Peter leaves for Times Square where Max opens a grate in the street and grabs hold of an electrical mains cable. When a police officer orders him to stop what he's doing, Hey
0: stop what you're doing
1: Hey you were there with surprisingly good Electrical (laughs) resistance Who's the blue Riddler over here (laughs) Max uses His electromagnetic powers To throw a van So uh, We're seeing a lot from Electro here Uh, He's not just uh, Glow in the dark What What are his powers What are his powers include
0: uh, head over to image, image two if you can, because uh, uh, just load that up. I, before yeah. we delve into that, and we're going to the answer is electricity. I just want to just say that and some very good quads. It is. I find it absolutely criminal. <laughs> Electro is one of the most gorgeous character the super villain designs ever, particularly Silver Age, particularly just Marvel. Marvel of any. It's so so. Classic, and I—it's yeah. just a great villain costume. I—it it, for me t- to become the Blue Smurf. Yeah, is I don't know why they threw this out. Um, but so that have you, have you seen that? Have you seen what that looks like before? Because I've well, seen that image there. Well, of course, I'm familiar with the boys meme. You know, where they do that meme of no. him and.
1: No, I'm not gonna go down that, that line of questioning. <laughs> he pops up in a meme basically, like me and the boys okay. hanging out, and it's like from the sixties Spider Man series, it's they're all their grinning faces. Oh. I think it's the Vulture, Electro, and the Green Goblin. It's 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 just it's just used to you you know, to say, Hey, me and the lads are hanging out, here's
0: us, but it's not us, it's anyway. Uh, It looks a lot better when it's when you know outside because the the artwork in that cartoon is a bit dodgy. Well, we talked Um, about them before, and you said
1: to me those exact words: "Like you think it it, 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 is criminal that you haven't used it. It's such a great idea for a costume." But I look at it and think, someone threw a starfish at his face.
0: Yeah, he's got the um, he's got the the great big uh, yellow. So it's not just a mask The mask kind of It's so gaudy There's a great big There are three peaks To the mask One going up And then two going down At the other side of the face It's just fab it, And he's got all the lightning Going yeah. like off his gloves And stuff it's Yeah that,
1: The gloves The boots They look cool uh, The figure hugging leotard Which is a must But I'm just looking at That starfish on his face And thinking oh, That's impractical I mean how do you It's a comic book It's not meant to be practical Well I'm just saying, maybe maybe all Spider-Man villains could just wear leather like in the X-Men movie.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <So, laughs> we immediately see some sort of electromagnetism uh, from Electro here. Yeah. And that's not massively in keeping. That would make him insanely powerful. It so, would. to begin with, his powers are pretty basic. Yeah. He can, like, shoot lightning, uh, le- lightning arcs out of his fingertips... He can kill someone if he wants to. He's full of electricity. You don't want to touch him. Mm. Um, he can create electrical barriers. He talks about like a field of electricity, so you can't like go like if he opens a door. I don't know electrical fields. You can't kind of pass through. You get electrocuted. Um, it's a and magic he was, field. He was very constricted by the fact that electricity has to be conducted through certain. Like he can't. He's not always in charge of where the electricity goes. <laughs> If that makes sense, yeah. Because the, the near, the kind of the nearest nice bit of conductive thing is where the electricity is going to go. As time goes on, his powers do grow and develop, and um, so it was revealed that when he is fully charged with electro with electricity, he can actually use it to supercharge his body and become mm. um, faster and stronger. Mm. He can. Glide over power lines, and so he can fly. Mm. It's gliding, really. It's not super fast, but he can glide, but only over power lines. Okay, by using the electricity, kind of in there is propulsion. Um, Occasionally, weirdly, with no explanation, he's been shown to ride on lightning bolts, but that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that sounds badass. It looks cool, but no one knows how, and he doesn't do it all the time. So there we go. Um, His He also has he can sense and detect circuitry and electricity around him. Um he can override electrical systems, he can control and disconnect to a certain degree alarm systems and and computers and it's it's not he he's not like he can't like make a computer do anything he wants. Mm. But he can turn it off, turn it on, he can overload it, he can do some, you know, kind of stuff like that. Um He did then get super Charged Uh, There was an experiment He became much much more, more Powerful and then had This electromagnetic powers Which allowed Him to manipulate magnetic fields Like Magneto Yeah, Which meant him insanely powerful In fact it was revealed that years ago Magneto once sought Electro out To join his brotherhood of mutants Assuming he was a new mutant That he'd never met before And Magneto during this kind of period of time Muses that Electro Could become even more powerful Than Magneto one day Wow Um, He um, Oh there's a For a short period of time he was able to use, he was able to control bioelectric impulses in the human body. Oh, no. Way. And essentially control someone like a puppet. Oh, God. Um, but that power set didn't last. And that was particularly in the 90s, but it didn't last. So. He fluctuates with levels of ability Basically writers come along and kind of want to do something a little bit different with him And his power can go up or down As soon as you get to that kind of
1: thing You're kind of writing yourself into a corner Making him too powerful Just to go back a little bit um, when he come, In the film when he comes off uh, the, the, the gurney in the morgue that, There's that crispy effect from the clothes He's obviously really burnt Mm. And I, I just loved that. I thought that was great. also he has a very freaky face, doesn't he, in this film: It's a very Do you think? ghostly, weird face the line, yeah lines is it lines on his face and stuff because, well, that's the thing It's like, it's like um you, you see his veins and arteries mm. as like electricity, but it's not that it's just, it's just the way he looks like, like it's like a ghost almost skeletal almost and you got these ghosts in items. the machine ooh i like that i like that also but the thing is you know all that after all this seeing him grab onto the electrical cables like that all i could think of was frank Grimes from the simpsons
0: that's a reference i get that's a, <laughs> ma- a major episode i remember <laughs> so he kills himself yeah he goes I mad. need health and safety cuz i'm
1: homer simpson <laughs> I, I, that's all I see. If I see that like two pit, a, a guy in a film or whatever grab hold of some cables like that I'm going yep that's Frank Grimes from The Simpsons. Anyway I'll continue with the story. Surrounded by police and seeing his image on all the screens in Times Square, Electro begs for the police to leave him alone but loses his temper and creates an electromagnetic burst launching the cars in all directions Spider-Man swings in and saves a policeman from one of the cars and approaches Max, who is upset that despite their one chance encounter, Spider-Man does not remember his name, causing the electrical being to become angry again. After a fierce battle, Max causes a blackout trying to recharge himself, but is extinguished by Spidey wielding a fire hose. As the rescue services pick up the pieces, Peter walks away from an upset Gwen Stacy. So, this bit, the the crowd are gathering around chanting for Spider Man while an electrical powered villain is fighting him. I just found that a bit silly because they're really risk, you know, there's a a risk situation here.
0: I suppose so, but at the same time, um, I I understand the positioning of these superheroes as kind of like super famous, like as much Mm. as if you saw like a super bowl winning athlete in yeah, your hometown definitely. or if you something like that almost like a gladiator level of public appreciation i i i think it's just the whole but you are right yeah yeah
1: I, No, i get i get that but it's just the fact that he's fighting someone who, who who uses electricity and has thrown things around i'm like i am in trouble staying around here i don't care how amazing the spectacle is i'm getting out
0: but equally, how often do you turn on like TikTok or YouTube and see video from a very dangerous location where something's blowing up? Or okay. a, here's a picture of me. I'm I'm going to take a, a video of this uh, hurricane. I'm in. You know, there's always going to be those people on there.
1: Oh yeah, but but I I could argue that not at that kind of density of crowd. But no, no, no. I'm just going to concede. So. How notable is Electro in Spider-Man comics? Uh, does it, does he ha- does, does, is Max Dillon uh, a good supervillain?
0: You're going to wear that into the ground aren't you? Uh, hello gone. we've been doing this You're for gonna... two
1: years And every time I come up with a nice little thing We never do it again
0: <laughs> There are reasons because you wear them into the ground yeah, And sometimes they're deeply pervy and disturbing Good boy um, gets his true. No, <laughs> <Yes>! stop it. <laughs> Teed that up. He's a. I mean, he's a. He's never like been an arch nemesis. A yeah. mass. He's not. He's not like. Um, a, he's not the kind of character. That that he's not Doc Ark. He's not Craven the Hunter. He's not even like Chameleon, who had his moment in the sun. Yeah, but he's very prolific. He's a true. Classic early Marvel supervillain. He's fought everyone. Um, he 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 joined all the other major villains as part of the original uh, Spider-Man villains as part of the original Sinister Six, and he's been a part of I think every Sinister Six incarnation um, of, of of that group over the years. He was the first supervillain to fight Daredevil oh, in nice. uh, Daredevil issue two. Um, he then created his own team of villains to get revenge on Daredevil. The emissaries of evil. Not as um, good as the Sinister Six, is it? Uh, we've got another one to come. Oh, the emissaries God. of evil uh, include um, Gladiator, the Matador. <laughs> <laughs> remember the Matador? I remember the Matador. from obscure Marvel Leapfrog, who we'll get to, and of course the greatest Daredevil villain of all time. He's a very, very tall boy. <gasps> Yeah, Is say it, it. Stiltman yeah. Stiltman, yes! the Emissaries of Evil um, Yeah, Stiltman Matador <laughs> <laughs> the Gladiator, Frog, Who belongs on a future episode Of Obscure Marvel oh, so and I Electro.
1: say that from the name alone yeah.
0: So he's the Sinister Six and the Emissaries of Evil Seems like he can go for the trifecta here So later on he joins the Fantastic Four Villains, the Frightful Four Um and he joins them alongside Sandman, who is his partner from the Sinister Six, the Wizard, and another one of your absolute favourites from obscure Marvel. He's a very sticky boy. Pace Pop P. Pace Pop P. No. <laughs> In the I can't imagine a
1: situation. Sorry, we go a bit bit stuck. I can't imagine a situation. Where someone's going right, we need to form a team of the <laughs> baddest people to take down Spider-Man or Daredevil. If, because if- we, well, we got to have we got to have the guy who who's is electricity powered and does all kind of electrical stuff. We've got we've got a, a, uh, another guy who can do this. We've got a Rhino type thing. Uh, what about the old fella with a jug of paste? <laughs>
0: Folks, I'm, I'm, I, you guys are going to have if you if you're not with us on Patreon, you're going to have no point of reference for why this is so funny. Um, it, I think it is Will's favorite character of all time, Spot Pete. It's, um,
1: it's just an old fella in his PJ's. Don't explain
0: it. It's not, they they want to pay for that explanation. Um, oh, sorry, Patreon.com/slash yeah, Marvel versus Marvel. No gatekeeping for all keeping. the obscure marvels that drop every uh, No gatekeeping on money. Yeah, i say no gatekeeping. Yeah, on say a, no gatekeeping <laughs> the paywall gatekeeping,
1: keeping we're a different, <laughs> <laughs> different, different story.
0: <laughs> um he also has he, he he plays an important chapter in the Avengers history. So uh Wanda destroys the original Avengers essentially. Yes. Um you've got to check out our House of M episode if you've not listened to it already. Uh a new team is assembled when there is a huge um disaster at the supervillain maximum security prison, the Raft. Mm. And that is created by Electro electro is hired to break dozens of supervillains 50 yard supervillains out of the raft which causes a disaster so big a bunch of superheroes have to come together and that sparks off the Creation of the new Avengers um, Which we go into on the House of M episode as well Um, He's currently dead, Electro is currently dead in the Marvel Comics, he lost his powers and then uh, Died during an attempt To regain them Um, But his powers were Very painfully transferred to Sort of an ex of his um, Called Francine Fryer who now operates as the new Electro, not Lady Electro, just Electro, um, and she wears Max's classic, uh, classic costume—the uh-huh. gold and and uh, and green. Okay. Nice. If you're if you're looking for what denotes, yeah, an awful lot of Marvel villains use purple and green to denote that they are villainous. Some have twinges of gold in them, yellow in them.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I,
1: you just think about it and you go, ah, yeah, they do.
0: Yeah. Whereas on the other side, the good guys, it tends to be your blues, your reds, and your yellows. Yellow seems to go both ways. Yeah. Um, You can see an awful lot of the of the Marvel classic villains have that uh, green and purple color scheme, including the Hulk as well, which is interesting, as whether he's thought was a villain. Um, Well.
1: You know, he is a misunderstood man, to be fair. He is. Anyway, back to the story. Upset with possibly losing Gwen, Peter wills himself to open his father's briefcase and starts researching his father's involvement with Oscor. At Oscor, Harry Osborne notices the first sign of his father's illness affecting him and accidentally opens his father's secret data. His hair
0: reclining. That's what he notices. That's why he receding.
1: Has his hair receding becoming embarrassing revealing a high tech battle suit as well as a potential cure to his father's curse at the Parker residence Peter experiments with electrical resistance for his next encounter with Max the next day he receives a call from Harry who invites him to Oscorp to show the data his father worked on for the cure with Harry coming to the conclusion that Spider-Man is the proof that his father's cure works and now needs the web swingers Web-slingers blood. Knowing that Parker takes photos for Spider-Man, Harry begs and demands Peter to give him Spider-Man's blood. But give Pete- me his blood. Give me his blood. You
0: know him, you must have access to his blood.
1: It is it, just a perfectly ordinary question to ask a <laughs> someone, a
0: cup of sugar, a pint of blood, you know, it's the same thing.
1: But Peter is unsure of what effects the transfusion could have and the possibility of Harry suffering a mutation similar to Doctor
0: Kirk Connors.
1: So, has anyone in the comics ever been after Spider-Man's special blood?
0: Let's talk about Miles Warren, who again will show up in an episode. I'll talk about right at the end uh, of this little chat. Miles Warren, a professor of biology at Empire State University, where he is the, the he teaches uh, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. They're both in the same uh, super brainy science person class. Um, That's the term. During his term. During his tenure there Despite the fact that Mars Warren is an old man With a horrible moustache He becomes infatuated with Gwen Stacy
1: To the point of
0: obsession And jealousy Of Peter Parker After Gwen is murdered by the Green Goblin Professor Warren swears vengeance on Spider-Man um, As it's widely reported that Spider-Man killed kills Gwen That's, that's how it's reported Because the police arrive and find him holding her body And just crying And yelling about how he's so sorry And the police go, well, it's probably him probably. Uh, Which is not an unreasonable response <laughs> probably, um, Yeah, it's
1: probably Spider-Man
0: yeah. Gwen's death drives Professor Warren Into uh, insanity and depression, and he he becomes a mad geneticist that starts to call himself the Jackal. Ooh, that's a good name. Basically, at some point they realised, oh, we've just killed off the Green Goblin. We need a big green mental person to be (laughs) our new villain. So Miles Warren is created. He puts on a green uh, costume and mask and becomes a green Jackal guy. And the day Like the day after Gwen Stacy's death He slash his assistant Who he murders Discovers and perfects the ability to clone Animal and human tissue So using Blood samples Of Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy That were gathered in their science class As a way of like oh let's look at our blood He uses the blood samples To create several Differing imperfect clones of the young couple mm. When the Peter Parker clones exhibit the ability to stick to walls oh. He goes, I think I've just discovered Spider-Man's real identity um, He then uses his his endless supply of cloned Parker blood To create all manner of genetic misfits, monsters and clones I hate to keep saying this, but head over to Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We've got a mini episode all about the Clone Saga. It's so detailed, that's what made me realise we need to be doing full-length bonus episodes, really. The Clone Saga is a, a favourite of mine in our, in our annals, and it was a uh, a great one to record. Yeah, There's loads of Miles Warren Jackal stuff in that.
1: I don't want to hammer home at the Patreon, but we got some really good stuff on there we got aren't. some really good stuff we've been uh, and, doing it uh, for a while now and i'm not just saying that because i really love money uh, <laughs> I, I, I i do genuinely think we do some good output it's Any- a great
0: body of work
1: yeah you guys are, are selling out more and <laughs> advertising your own services unsubscribe anyway back to the back to the film Elsewhere in the company Gwen Stacy searches for records on Max Dillon supervillain only to find his employee record blocked and guards looking for her. She bumps into Parker on his way out of the building and explains how Max was obsessed with Spider-Man and his files have been blocked. After arguing about her moving to England the two kiss and Peter distracts the the guards to help Gwen escape. Sharing the elevator down with Gwen Harry Osborne realizes
0: that she is the leverage he needs to get <laughs> Spider Man's blood. <laughs> Can we do that again? I love that. They're even more villainous. Because this is how you read it. You read it like uh, Harry realizes, Harry Osborne realizes she is the leverage
1: <laughs> that he needs. Maybe I should do it in style. To get
0: Spider Man's blood. So, of, so go on that again. McKen-
1: Harry Osborne realizes that she is the leverage. <laughs> he needs to get Spider Man's blood. Blood.
0: I can't Damn do an Ian McKellen blood. voice, but
1: that's the closest unless I do I like What that. are that you was doing, Charles? That's the only um Ian McKellen. Yeah, you
0: gotta have a weigh in, haven't you? Gotta have a what? A weigh in. A
1: way in, yeah. Uh, a he, he owns voice. a pub near me. Weigh in? Uh no, Ian
0: McCallum. Oh, Ian McCallan.
1: Fantastic story. Prancing pony. Wait, no. oh, sorry. What's it, is it the Prancing Pony? No? No, it's the uh, the, the Grapes. Okay. It's a nice pub in. near <laughs> next to the Thames in Limehouse. Anyway, at the
0: Ravencroft Institute, Max is. Just, head- I've just realised that sentence coming from someone that lives where you live means so much less than if I. Like if someone I know says, he, came, he owns a pub near me, and you go, does he really? He goes, yeah, 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 by mine. But what you're saying is, is he owns a building in London. Yeah, of course he does. Of course, <laughs> it's like yeah. So do a dozen Russian oligarchs. It's not, you know. He goes, oh wow, I can't believe it. Oh, so and so, he runs a pub right back Yeah, uh, just outside of Coventry, just down by. Yeah, you go. Oh, that's interesting. But hi, it, yeah, g- when it's
1: hi, guys. if it's someone
0: from like Manchester or London or something, it's uh, you go. Well, yeah, of course he does. Hi oh, yeah.
1: guys, long time listener, first time writer.
0: You had to make
1: it political, didn't you? Unsubscribe. So long Putin (laughs) (laughs) Anyway At the Ravencroft Institute Max is held captive by Donald Menken Who watches scientist Ashley Kafka experiment On the electrical being As his anger grows Max dubs himself Electro And threatens the scientist that he'll come after him When he breaks free at home, Aunt May has discovered Peter's research on his father And faces up against him about it She reveals that after Peter, that after Richard Parker's funeral Government agents visited her about Richard's research Which is
0: incredibly valuable Later- I'm going to stop you there Yes Problem with this movie It's same with that Way too much This movie is equally Way too much about Peter Parker's parents Yep Not enough Aunt May
1: Yes in fact, Aunt, Aunt May Aunt barely is barely in this.
0: Aunt May is Peter Parker's mother. That's that's the Uncle Ben is his dad. Those are his parents. To, to, to take the moral center out of this movie and assign it to this this ghost is wrong. Do you know how expensive Sally Field is to get in a, to get in a film? <laughs> yeah, once you got her on set, work her like a you know work like a workhorse for twelve hours and send her home. Yeah. You get lots of scenes. There we go. Horse field. Ah, there's a
1: link there, but I can't be bothered Um, Later, Spider-Man visits Harry Growing worse with his condition And says that while he wants to help him He can't give him his blood right now Losing his temper, Harry tells Spider-Man that he's a fraud And that he has no time left (laughs) And (laughs) Spider-Man leaves
0: I love how you're really getting into this He tells Spider-Man that he's a
1: fraud but <laughs> I, I start, i, 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 I was you're talking, a fraud, Spider Man. Yeah, we <laughs> were talking about this before we started recording. I was like, "Oh, you're doing," you, you complimented me, which was, you know, surprised me at first. Uh, you said. <laughs> He said, oh, you, you're doing really well with writing down the stories. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, and, and it's like, great. I, I, and I do these little bits where I write down. goes, oh, that's going to be fun to say. I can't wait to read that. Can't wait uh, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I can, what you mean. You can read the hell out of that. You can see what you can read does. the hell out of that. Because I can't say <laughs> other words. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the fence about this whole blood thing. Because I feel like if I was Spider-Man, I would just go, yeah, uh, fine. But I'd need loads of money to ha- so I can buy big weapons, just in case
0: you turn into a lizard or something. You give him your blood. I would give him my blood and say, "Yeah, a lot of money, though." Well, then you haven't less learned a lesson about responsibility.
1: Well, I, 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 am also do you have
0: a you have a moral responsibility to protect Harry Osborn. From what could happen to him, from himself, and to protect the other people that that could hurt. But protect him from himself. He's dying. He's dying. Yeah, but you could make him a monster.
1: He's already a. I don't know. That 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 haircut's monst- mon- was a monster. Monster. <laughs> bad. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of on the fence. This this is one of those things. If where if there if there was a big uh, ethical point to the film, which there isn't. Uh, you would do that thing where you go just to check in with you, will right or wrong?
0: <laughs> well, this you're you're completely wrong about this. This is it's it, it's wildly irresponsible to give someone you know irradiated blood that could you know do anything to them and the people around them.
1: People are overrated. <laughs>
0: uh, oh God. Well, what an inspirational superhero
1: you'd be! Well, <laughs> oh, looks like our our episodes aren't
0: getting listeners anymore. Will thanks for that. You lost them. Anyway, I, I think- like the idea of a superhero that would be like you, who would, who would uh, like assess who he's going where he's going to save people. No, I, I don't. No, I don't like. I don't like the look of him. I think, I think he's going to die.
1: Finally, a <laughs> superhero with very human qualities. Uh Back to the film. Angry that he's losing both Gwen and Harry, Peter smashes his dad's old calculator against a wall in rage and discovers old coins hidden within. Connecting the dots, he realizes that this is something to do with an abandoned subway station.
0: It's also- something to do with someone watching Bloody Da Vinci Code is what it's something to do oh, with.
1: God, it is, isn't it? It does yeah. feel like that.
0: Yeah, and the sequel, Angels and Demons and Oh My. Whatever it was called.
1: The famous supervillain looked at the red spider man. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. It's call back to a joke that we like. At Oscorp, Felicia Hardy reveals to Harry the secret files he needs that also include the research being conducted on Max. Now Felicia Hardy's name does sound a little familiar. She is someone we
0: should know, right, Rob? Yeah, in the comic books she is the black cat. Is that basically um, Catwoman? Um, well, she's a cat-themed jewel thief, so yes, yes. Because I remember and, seeing and, and her and in adventurer. The, I remember seeing her in the
1: PlayStation One game, and just going, "Oh, that's their version of Catwoman." Great, I got it.
0: Um, I mean, from that, that like those two dots, yeah. But nothing else about the character is yeah. Well, you know, relationship with the the hero. Yeah, there um, we go. She's, so she's a jewel thief and adventurer, that Has a relationship with. Spider Man. They have a bunch of adventures together, and and they they do start a relationship. But this it's an odd relationship. It's an it's it's an exclusively in costume relationship. Yeah. Um. So could, to, to begin, she's got no connection to Harry Osborn. To begin with, she doesn't know Spidey's identity. Hmm. She's a real femme fatale. Um, she's attracted to. Spider-Man the thrill and the action and the adventure of his life the adrenaline and as they start to get closer she never calls him Pete she, Pete or Peter she only ever calls him Spider hmm. um and he wants to share his life with her wow. and she well he's not the kind of guy that could have an exciting you know, sex driven fling that's just all <laughs> Pete's not that kind of guy. Um, so he's like, Oh, I really like you. Do you want to meet my Aunt May? <laughs> Bloody <laughs> um, hell. And she, like, he, she, when she sees him with his mask off for the first time, she is revulsed, repulsed, sorry, revolted and repulsed. She hates the idea that this is like a regular guy, a normal person. She is not <laughs> interested in that. She doesn't care what he looks like. Without the mask on, she just doesn't want to see him without the mask on She just wants to roll it up to make out with him And to roll around and do all the fun stuff But she has no interest in this regular average guy That lives in a regular average flat apartment And that's very off-putting to her Um She does work to like clear her name and reputation and do good deeds when she's with Spidey. Mm. Um, but she also urges him to abandon his life as Peter Parker, arguing that he doesn't need a job and he doesn't need all these entanglements, he can just be Spider-Man all the time, save people, and then take whatever he wants as a reward. <laughs> That's her <laughs> opinion and attitude. That's how she views the good deeds she currently does as well.: Yeah, transactional. It's an interesting dynamic, um, and it comes during a period of time where Mary Jane has dumped Peter and r- r- ran away, um, and so this is like a really exciting fling.
1: There we, there we go. That's how I was going to ask how this slots into everything.
0: But, but, but also at the no, same no pun time. intended. <laughs> But also Peter is not the kind of person That can have a fling So he's very much like I'm going to change you and save you And make you join me in a traditional relationship And that doesn't go very well Um, She flip flopped over the years From criminal to hero and back again She develops um, Luck altering abilities As well Which allow her to basically Give people bad luck Wow um, That it's like a probability altering field that kind of radiates around her body to a limited degree. Um, people, like if they're aiming things at her, will miss. They'll get distracted. They'll trip over. They'll fall down. They'll, you know, things like that. Yeah. Nice. It um, kind of like how Wanda's hex power originally were. Yeah. Originally, she was hexing people with bad luck, and then. She could rewrite all of reality on a whim. So yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So back to the film. The next second, Donald enters with his guards and uses Harry's snooping into classified files as grounds for firing Harry from his position. At the abandoned, you're
0: fired from owning your own company.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like that weird. Uh, Thing in Batman begins where he's like, Oh, you're off the board now of your own company,
0: and it's like because you were legally dead. And that, yeah, that, 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 that kind of, and it happens in the first Spider Man movie with Norman. Oh, yeah, he the gets board to... kick him out, so he kills them all. Yeah, because he's gone crazy at the abandoned
1: Roosevelt subway station. Peter uses one of the coins, a subway token in the old turnstile that reveals the entrance to his father's secret laboratory
0: I can't stop picturing Tom Hanks as Spider-Man now (laughs) Like old old shaggy haired college professor Tom Hanks as Spider-Man Everyman Spider-Man The amazing everyman
1: (laughs) That'd be Tom Hanks Using an old computer he watches a video log made by his father and learns that Richard had to flee because he refused to cooperate with Norman's plans to make a biogenetic weapon with his research. Not only that, but the human DNA used in the spider experiments was Richard's, disallowing anyone from outside his family from benefiting from his research.
0: Biogenetics, uh, very different to other kind of genetics, which of course uh, have nothing to do with biology.
1: Nothing, nothing <laughs> like like,
0: like a physogenetics. Yeah, physio- you need to s- specify that it's biological genetics, unlike those other bits of genetics.
1: Yeah, like uh, wood genetics,
0: artificial genet- plastic genetics, plastic yeah. genetics.
1: Yeah, I know. So the subway car lab made me think of like the Bat Cave. Like, how much hassle it must have been to create that and keep it secret. You're way too focused. You no. are. You've
0: seen Clerks, right?
1: Clerks. Yes, I've seen the first. I got the first two films on
0: DVD somewhere, or maybe you're the, I You're 100 percent the person that would be like, but what about all those contractors on the second Death oh, Star? On The Death Star.
1: I. I it wasn't. That it bit. wasn't
0: fully finished. Wasn't fully finished, <laughs> and then that contractor tells that story. About
1: the guy who did the job for They knew a, what they um, were in for Yeah they, like, I, I wouldn't do it Passed on to a friend and they said I did one And they knew what they were in it for and it's like, Bloody hell I love it when they do that They use a real world example to explain this bit of a film But come on That is, that is a hassle a secret? Maybe he
0: just like found it and bought it
1: Like that That's a great story Rob That is a great story <laughs> So in the original stories Was Richard Parker ever working on a dangerous Secret
0: project like this Give you a great story Um, (laughs) (laughs) Here it comes When we looked at the first uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie We talked about how it didn't actually Have many connections to the regular Marvel Universe, what we might call the 616 Mm. Marvel Universe It actually had its connections and its influences Based in the ultimate Spider-Man comics which was a reboot and a reimagining of Spider-Man from the early early two thousands, and so that's where we find a connection here. In in the Ultimate Marvel continuity, uh, Richard Parker was a biologist instead of a spy, and he mm-hmm. and Mary um, die. They still die when Peter's young, and he has vague memories of them. But we find out that before the crash. Richard Parker along with his friend Eddie Brock Sr The father of Peter's Childhood friend Eddie Brock Jr Ah. Were working As geneticists together Biologists together on a cure for um, Terminal cancer I believe Hmm. All terminal diseases, it wasn't just cancer It was any terminal disease It's a biological suit A black biological Suit that could repair Its host body Ooh. He recorded a series of Video tapes um, That he left for Peter Addressed to Peter revealing the, the, the research he was doing The work he was doing His fears that the biological suit That was meant to heal Could be used as a weapon Instead of a cure um, And His project And the suit he created Was eventually stolen By Eddie Brock Jr and is the basis and the creation of the ultimate venom, in the ultimate go. universe. So to nothing, yeah, nothing to do with. They, they they very much didn't want this Peter Parker to go into space. And how do you get Venom without the Secret War and the space thing? You didn't want them to do that. So it became this this secret biological project that. Richard Parker was trying to keep other people from Using as a super soldier project All like very similar to kind of uh, Some stuff that's going on here cool.
1: Back to the story At Ravencroft Harry sneaks Inside and distracts the scientists With the fire alarm allowing Him to approach Electro Osborne makes a deal with Max If Max can get Harry into Oscorp Harry will help Max get Spider-Man allowing Harry To get Spidey's blood As the guards burst in and restrain Harry, the boy uses a taser on Electro, charging up the electrical being to break free from his bonds, killing all the guards. Before the two shake on their deal, Electro captures and lowers Dr Kafka into the electrical pool that contained Electro, but kills the scientist. Elsewhere, Peter gets a call from Gwen. She's moving to Oxford. I don't uh, want to complain too much about this film, but... Is it just me, or does this feel like the least action-packed Spider-Man film we've watched? It doesn't feel like a lot of of action. I don't know. I I
0: didn't. I didn't get that impression. We just saw Electro kill a whole bunch of guards in a room and get freed, and it just seems like the the the, the action sparse. It. I think if you if you think back to something like, I don't know. I don't get that at all. No, but but I. I, this is not a passionate defence of it being. Oh no, of course! It's so no. full of action. I just it, that didn't strike me. Too much There's an action. awful lot going on.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just got this feeling at this point, and I thought, mm. so Doctor Kafka is that an important character?
0: No, not really. Although it's a gender swapped character. So Doctor Ashley Kafka in the comic books gotcha. is a uh, a woman. Um, She is a psychiatrist at uh, Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane Introduced in the early 90s Occasional ally of Spider-Man She treats an awful lot of um, Spidey villains Including Electro Um, She was killed by a villain And then some clones of her were brought back to life by the Jackal Hmm. Um, And one of the clones uh, was discovered by Norman Osborne and tricked into believing that she 's the original Dr. Ashley Kafka in order to further norman 's insane plans um wow. so yeah, not massively important, but a person although they swapped the gender for some reason maybe they didn 't they didn 't want um electro killing uh, a woman, maybe that was a bit, mm, especially a movie where we're going to have our big emotional beat at the end. Being, <laughs> yeah, that would make um, sense. You know, a woman we care about dying. So, what, um, maybe that's just me guessing. Really,
1: is is the name Kafka a reference to Franz Kafka at all? Do you know?
0: Um, it's a reference, uh, Franz Kafka, not the not the not the author, right? I was referring to the author. Yeah, no, no, it is it is a reference to a Kafka that is a. Uh, a psychiatrist that published something, but I, ah, okay. but not the no, not the I don't not the the author author. The person wrote a book, but I think it was like a a doll book about psychiatry. The loser,
1: <laughs> Peter Parker w- woke up one morning to discover he turned into, into a massive insect. <laughs> Sorry that's a what? Franz Kafka reference that's Oh right right metamorphosis right, right. where okay. to, where guy turns rick up we he, go. he discovers he's turned into a massive it's a good story good story about but anyway see that actually happens in a spider-man comic you see <laughs> <laughs> um well the, that's the, earlier 20th century literature right there if you can When he France. grows
0: yeah. uh, extra arms so he has so he has eight limbs like a spider mm. he um goes to sleep and wakes up when he's asleep he dreams he's going to become an actual Monstrous spider so I, I was really, like I really hope where are we this, going with
1: this I really hope this tangent uh, pleases both people who listen to the podcast who've read Franz Kafka anyway back to the film at Oscorp Electro murders Donald's specialist with Harry in tow who holds Donald at gunpoint leaving Electro to enter the building's power grid Harry forces Donald to grant him access to the archived experiments room mentioned in his father's data in hopes of finding a cure at gunpoint Donald injects Harry with the serum, which spreads into his body, causing Harry tremendous pain and allowing Donald to escape. Writhing on the floor and experiencing mutations, Harry crawls towards the high-tech battle suit and glider, donning the stoop, sorry, donning the suit and stepping onto the glider with a murderous glint in his eyes. I,
0: in all my years, have never met a single Donald. Ever. I I've met Dons. Well, that will be a Donald, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, there's Don Biswas He's a comedian. I never met Don actually. He's lovely. He's absolutely lovely. I have met a few Dons in my time,
0: but I, It a... struck it struck me as a boomer name that's, that's that's died out. A baby boomer name that's died out now. Do you know I'm na- name you never hear now? What Roger? There's no Rogers. There's a couple. Well, I know. Uh, see, I know another comedian called Roger Swift. Roger Swift, yeah, okay, there, uh, there and, go, uh, there, yeah. My brother-in-law's dad's called Roger, and there you go. But yeah, he' old. Um this is, this really st- Like I, at the start of seeing Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, the rich house i kind of been like, I why are they doing This again, but then <laughs> yeah. when they do Like a whole other scene Where he injects himself with goblin serum Starts to become evil goblin man Gets onto a goblin glider yeah. With a battle suit It's exactly do you, do you know what it, it felt I, like? I could not understand why they're just repeating so many of these story beats again. It felt like they were just at that point they were just
1: pressing space on a North a, a, like a predictive text keypad, and it, the rest of the script auto filling. Auto, it just auto filled the rest of it from the other Spider-Man films. It's just like eh.
0: what I'd like to do when we get to the end of this, um, to the end of the story in the, the the recap, is to have a chat about whether we think. Harry Osborne and the Osborne story Was necessary for this And why it was there and what we thought it did um, yeah, I think we'll chat about I'm that up at up the that end Because I, I don't, I, don't so I need to chat about it
1: I, Also also something else uh, This is going to be a bit of a stretch But bear with me Blue guy Teleporting into a room And killing everyone by pointing at them Sounds a bit familiar To, to what? Teleporting into a room nightcrawler? Doctor Manhattan. Oh, that's the first thing I okay. thought. Was, this is a bit like Doctor Manhattan from The Watchmen.
0: I I don't. I haven't read. I haven't read the comic in a long time, and I haven't. I haven't. I have watched that movie a couple of times, and I try very hard to block it out.
1: Oh, and another thing. Uh, this is this is just sad. Now the pistol that Harry uses is the same one I have for airsoft. If if only you could see his
0: face, listeners. If only you could see his face. Oh, so you you cosplay as uh, the le- the less the least famous Harry Osborn. Least fa-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what airsoft is. You cosplay <laughs> as least famous people. <laughs> anyway, in the comic books, does Harry Osborn ever
0: get goblin powers? Uh well, yeah. So to he he starts his goblin career in a weird way. Um once so the night that Gwen Stacy died, we learn that Harry Osborne has witnessed the whole thing. Mm. Um He he sees the vicious battle, he sees Green Goblin impaled, and he knows that it's his dad. Um he wanting to protect his dad Father's like identity and the family name. He strips the goblin costume off of uh, Norman's body, so that the police won't connect it. Yeah, and he starts to blame Spider-Man for his father's murder and for Gwen's murder death as well. Yeah, um, and he becomes very mentally unbalanced. This period of time, um, he's been ping-ponging off a lot of drugs. Um, and his mental abilities have been deteriorating He inherits the family company Like in this movie um, But one day He finds Because he lives with Peter Parker mm. He finds that Peter's just ca- Very carelessly left Spider-Man costume Lying around um, In a drawer or something And so he's like Da right my best friend is the man who killed my father, eh? And so he becomes the second Green Goblin, with um, Norman's equipment, the glider and the pumpkin bombs, and he goes to attack Peter, but without any Goblin powers, he doesn't have any access to the to the, the wildly dangerous Goblin serum. Um, so Pete easily not pretty easily beats him, you know, and and off he goes to like a, a mental with police custody, and then they get him some mental help as well, um, and he's he raves, he actually goes raving to the police that he is the true Green Goblin, and Peter Parker is Spider Man, but he's just dismissed as a a drug-addled lunatic. Um, he's. He gets a concussion, a knock on the head He forgets that Peter Parker Mm. is Spider-Man Everything kind of goes back to status quo Um, But then it all comes falling apart And um, years and years later After the Inferno Crisis um, Which is a big storyline we'll dive into on a bonus episode one day He remembers Peter Parker is Spider-Man Killed his dad And uh, this time around He does have access To um, the Goblin Serum He finds it in one of his dad's old hideouts Notes on how to make it And an old formula And he uh, ingests it And does finally give himself Green Goblin powers Superhuman strength and speed And all of that And a healing ability Nice. Back to the story in the
1: city, Gwen steps out of a cab to see what that Spider-Man has responded to her phone message by writing I love you in webbing across the Brooklyn Bridge. The next second, Spidey swings in and takes Gwen to the top of the Brooklyn Bridge where he proclaims his love for her and how he'll follow her for the rest of his life. The next second, New York City plunges into a blackout causing chaos and putting incoming air travel at risk. At the nearby electrical power plant, Electro appears and possesses the city's electrical grid, determined to be like a god to the city. I love the little moment with Gwen where she tells him what to do about his web shooters with Electro. Yeah. There's some good chemistry here. She plays a real role. Yeah, there's actually a role here. Like, I mean, was Gwen like this in the comic books? Did she help Spider-Man out?
0: No, absolutely not. Oh, um, that's a shame. Sixties and the seventies are a, a, a generally a, a terrible time for female characters in comic books, and Gwen is no different. Um, she has no agency. She never does anything cool or interesting. Mm. She is very much like how we had that interview with Jerry Conway, how he said there. She's simply there to be like a pleasant girlfriend to that wish fulfillment thing. Um and whilst her death is like an important moment in, 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 in comic books And, and, and in Marvel and, and Spider-Man history It also serves to illustrate that the female characters at this time Are really nothing more than props that exist around the male characters mm. To push their stories on So Gwen Stacy, uh, this is a, a, a not a tremendously uplifting note But it's an important note when we're talking about women in comic books Gwen Stacy can be said to be an early example Of what's called the women in refrigerators trope Oh Um, yes this trope This is a a, a term that was coined by a fantastic writer called Gail Simone And -hmm. it refers to an incident in the mid-90s In a a Green Lantern comic book In which the new Green Lantern um, comes home to his apartment To find that his girlfriend has been killed by a villain and her body has been like Stuffed into a refrigerator mm. Now This is not like an overly graphic Bloody Mature comic book It's a regular comic book There is something so Casually Brutal yeah. About the stuffing the body in It's real serial Killer stuff It's it's quite horrifying I remember reading it Um So Gail Simone and her colleagues um, And some other Female fans and writers and stuff Developed a list of fictional um, Female characters that have been Killed, maimed or depowered In particular in Wales Treated the female characters as Just like plot devices To move forward A male character story arc Um, This has been done to my wife Now I'll get revenge Right? Uh, Rather than Writing them and treating them as fully developed characters In in their own right Um, And this list Carried on for a long long time online I'm sure it's available somewhere still Um, And Gail Simone Give her the final word on this If you demolish Most of the characters girls like Then girls won't read comics It's as simple as that um, and it's very hard to argue uh, with that. I think it's pretty cool, and that we currently now have a character like Spider Gwen knocking around after Spider Verse, and, and um yeah. I think she's sometimes known as Ghost Spider. So I think it's kind of cool that we have a different version of Gwen Stacy that actually has some agency and is a proper, proper lead character, protagonist, main character. I think that's kind of cool.
1: That is very cool. Back to the film. Spider Man swings to the electrical plant and takes on Electro. First by spraying water from the mains at him and then by web-swinging him, remembering to ground himself like Gwen advised. However, Electro fights back and holds him down with his electricity until Gwen enters, driving a police car straight into the electrical being. Spider-Man and Gwen figure out what needs to be done, reconnect the system to save New York and take down Electro. Like that's good. We're,
0: like we're, it's almost like he's got a a, a partner. Like in it, it and does. It does. It's actually. not just. Uh, it's not just that kind of the way that Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane character was. You know, the don't get hurt. Or and you need to get out of here because if you need to get out of here, Mary Jane, because I'll be too distracted trying to say you know that kind of nonsense. She's actually right. Okay, we got to do this. We got to do that. I'm going to hit with a police car. You got to do this. You got to turn that. You know, there's something going on here. It's one of
1: the film's plus points. uh, Yeah, massively. Not not too many of those, sadly. As Electro, wait a minute, where am I? Where am I going? Uh, Gwen Gwen heads off to restart the power while Spider-Man continues the fight. As Electro blasts Spidey with electricity, the web swinger works. Web works hard at reconnecting the mains cables that Electro destroyed during his appearance. Gwen readies the master reset switch and, on Spider-Man's word, flips it, creating a huge surge that fires back at Electro, destroying him. As the power returns to the flight control towers, two passenger jets narrowly miss each other. I really like the electric Fused music they use in the soundtrack Like the soundtrack almost blends In to what we call In film studies the diegesis Or the diegetic sound Of the film so you hear it It's like the the, the music but it actually Blends into what's happening really well uh, Almost wove Into the fight scenes but the uh, Itsy bitsy spider bit was Cringe absolute cringe
0: it really, That's the only bit I've, I noticed it was <laughs> Like yeah.
1: Why did you do that? You, re- you it, 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 it had this nice subtlety and nice blending, and suddenly, and
0: it was
1: like, "Oh, f- go away." Also, that plane bit with the two planes narrowly avoiding each other was just so tight to watch. It was like ooh. it was—I I, I genuinely <laughs> like ooh, in my seat watching that because it's oh god, that was just good. So, how does Spider-Man actually beat Electro in their first fight? Are the comics anything like this?
0: Uh, He beats him with rubber gloves and a hose. Fantastic! Um, Actually, the very first time um, he goes after him because there's a big reward. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm gonna not only am I gonna stop a bad guy, I'm gonna get a big reward." And Spider-Man just grabs him and (laughs) is electrocuted and falls down. And Electro's like, "Well, (laughs) I guess he's dead. I'm off now. Bye." Uh, And it takes Spider-Man a while to recover. Classic early Spidey. Um, in the in the in the Stanley era, he's always beaten by the villain, the, the, by a new villain straight away, and then he has to recover and then develop a way to. Come back and, and, and fight the villain Usually with science um, So the next time around He he buys himself some rubber gloves And little rubber soles for his shoes To insulate himself oh, um, nice. And so he goes after Electro Um, whenever Electro throws bolts of electricity at him Spidey throws Handfuls of metal Ball bearings Ooh. in the other direction Into the air And the electricity goes oh metal And it laps at the metal and rather than him <laughs> That's quite genius Yeah I like Um, that, that. that's good So he keeps (laughs) throwing ball bearings all over the place At one stage, Electro slips over on them um, And then he can use his rubber gloves to punch Electro in the face Without being electrocuted to death Um, Electro grabs some wires And he's like, right, okay I'm going to put my charge into these wires These long wires Use them as a whip And hit you with them And kill you that way. (laughs) The ball bearings won't save you. I'm gonna, you haven't got a rubber head. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Spidey finds a hose behind him and he goes, A hose connected to the water main. And he just blasts Electro with a hose, short circuits him, massive electric explosion. um, Electro's done. And Spidey even says to himself, I'm a science major. Why didn't I think of this straight away? It's water. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Which is a wonderfully, it's essentially Stan Lee admitting, yeah, this is the first thing that he should have done, but otherwise there wouldn't be a story. So we've just made him a bit thick for this issue. (laughs) I like that. Um, Then there's a good moment where um, he pulls the mask off him. And he he says to himself I, I don't know what I'm expecting here I'm always expecting a moment where I go It was the butler all along But he pulls Electro's mask off and goes But I have no idea who this guy is Because I don't know him Okay <laughs> and, then runs, and then runs off And I always like those moments Where there's this nod and a wink of Yeah no why I mean just because he pulls his mask off Doesn't mean he's going to have ever met Max Dillon The Wichita lineman before mm. Nope the end
1: Fair enough. As Spider-Man painfully rises out of the rubble to meet Gwen, Harry Osborn swoops in on his glider, cackling maniacally. Revealing that he knows Spider-Man's secret identity, ergo betraying him, he gets his revenge by kidnapping Gwen. Spider-Man pursues his old friend across the power plant and says the fight is between them and them alone. Let Gwen Stacy go. After a second's thought, Harry drops Gwen with Spider-Man leaping to catch her, crashing through the power plant's older building. We've talked about Norman Osborn fighting Spider-Man, but has Harry ever done anything like this?
0: Well, was that first little fight when he didn't have any Goblin powers, yeah, he kind of didn't didn't feel like a real. He wasn't really the Green Goblin. He was just it was just a, like a crisis with one of the supporting cast members. There is a very cool story from the nineties um, where. Harry's out of uh, mental hospital. He's kind of back. He knows Pete's secret, but Pete can't touch him. Hmm. Um, he's taken the goblin serum. He, has he taken the? He's taken He's got. No, he hasn't got the goblin serum in his system at this point. He's flying around in a goblin glider in his father's old costume and stalking Peter Parker. Wherever Pete goes. Harry is just outside glaring at him from his goblin glider uh, And he keeps threatening to expose um, His secret identity to the world He's going to... Like Pete finds him in J.J. and James's office Saying he's got a big, big story A big secret to tell him yeah. And just wherever Pete goes Harry turns up in the costume without the mask on On the goblin glider Sometimes with the mask on And uh, just, just absolutely absolutely Messing with him like psycholo- messing with him is too is a, is a friendly term psychological torture and harassment Ooh. and he can 't do anything he goes to like the authorities because he can 't say i need help i 'm spider man he goes to the authorities and they 're like nothing we can do. he owns that goblin glider that 's his dad's key he owns that costume and you you 've got to prove he 's stalking you, which is very hard to do when the per- per- when the, the the person could just you know come and go and fly away as much as yeah. he wants there is a moment when And it is driving Peter crazy There's a moment when uh, Harry breaks into Mary Jane's bedroom And it, it, it looks It's a big cliffhanger where it looks like He's kidnapped Mary Jane Just like Norman kidnapped Gwen Stacy The night he murdered her But actually what, what, what he does Is he basically just tells uh, MJ I want you to know no matter how bad Things get between me and Pete And I, I hate him You will always be safe I hate Spider-Man but you're my oldest friend And I'd never ever hurt you Which just Pisses off Mary Jane even more Like how can you say that when It's very clear you're trying to destroy and kill my husband um, Harry does take this uh, The last like bit of goblin serum An advanced special version um, That Norman Osborn created but never tested Before he died And he takes it and it makes him feel even stronger and better and it all culminates this this harassment of peter parker with him uh, attacking him in this in his in harry osborn's old house injects peter with this drug that leaves him completely immobile um and in a fit of like real mental anguish and depression harry osborn lines the the place with um timed explosives and he's basically i'm gonna kill harry's plan to kill peter and himself at the same time they'll both die in fire and explosion um but just at the kind of the last moment pete is able to you know utter and mention that mary jane is still in the house harry is shocked back to his kind of regular Mm. state he uses the glider he grabs mary jane he grabs pete Burst right out of the house as it explodes um, He saved them But then he collapses The goblin formula, the experimental one is, di- is killing him, he's dying Right then and there And he kind of like Lies in Peter's arms, dying Apologising for everything Thanking him for being his best friend And he dies Holding Peter's hands It's this very sad, touching moment um, it's, a, it's a really Yeah moving I remember being very moved as a kid when I read it oh, It does sound moving
1: So Harry flies in And continues the battle while Gwen Tries to find a way out The platform Gwen is standing on gives way And she falls but is saved By one of Spidey's webs But as the two fight on a gear The web holding Gwen is cut And Spider-Man dives down after her Grabbing onto a beam and shooting a web at Stacy, Spider-Man tries to pull her back up but it's too short. As the web pulls back, Gwen jerks hitting the back of her head against the floor, killing her instantly. <sighs> I have to say, even though I knew that it was coming, I saw it coming a mile away, I knew this is the film that happens, I know Gwen dies. I was not ready for that scene. It was, it's that almost at the last minute, you think it's going to be all right. And then her head snaps back. There's that horrible crunch. And you just, I, think, I had to pause it because I was just like,
0: <sighs> I think that's a testament, a testament to Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. Yeah. That in a movie that you you're saying and I felt the same that I wasn't massively in, in, invested in.
1: Mm.
0: I was still very invested in those two characters. Yeah, yeah. You wanted them to be all right, and
1: yeah, I I think I think it's uh... yeah,
0: there's still it, a shock, it, isn't it, there, to it seeing sho- a major character die?
1: I I was absolutely shocked. I mean, there was a bit of a weird moment that kind of works where a hand is formed out of the web. I think that's really clever. Yeah, really it's, good. it's a nice moment, but it's like it almost. I went, is this a bit weird? I went, no, this actually works. It's actually it it shows the desperation in the moment. It's a nice little artistic. And it didn't. It wasn't a fully movie.
0: formed. It, it still looked like web.
1: Yeah, it still looked like web. But it was a night. Nice, it, it's it, it showed a lot. It, it it was a nice bit of artistic license that basically said look this is the the general mood of the scene. It's it's a scene. That I think it doesn't make up for the last these two films, but it's easily the strongest moment.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's
1: yeah. yeah, Wow. Uh, I can't say too much uh, about the other films. Another film where it gets mentioned, but uh, anyway. So, is this how Gwen Stacy dies in the original comics? In
0: the in 1973, Norman Osborn. Abducts Gwen Stacy because he knows Peter Parker's secret identity, even though Gwen doesn't. Gwen doesn't know why this is happening. That's quite that's quite sad as well. Yeah. This is a secret that's being kept from her at the last, but she doesn't know why this all happens. Lures him to a bridge in Manhattan. It's either the Brooklyn Bridge or the George Washington Bridge. The art doesn't match the text. Um, <laughs> they have a fight, uh, but. Goblin, Norman Osborne th- hurls Gwen Stacy off the bridge. Mm. Spider Man shoots a-, a web strand down to catch her. I'd like you to open the third image I'd sent you. Here we go. Um, as he pulls her up, he thinks he's saved her. He's celebrating. But he realizes that she's dead. Now, in that panel where the web line that yeah. you've got snags her legs, there is a tiny FX box which yeah. denotes sound. Right by her neck, yeah. That just says snap. Oof. Small enough that it was overlooked by several readers. Um, so Gwen Stacy doesn't die by the fall or the impact or hitting her head. It is the recoil of Spidey snagging her leg, almost like a bungee line, yeah, at at a speed that shouldn't happen at. A note on the letters page in in one of the next issues of Amazing Spider-Man has to clarify what happened for readers. Yeah. And it says from the editors, it saddens us to say that the whiplash effect she underwent when Spidey's webbing stopped her so suddenly was in fact what killed her. That's, that is what snaps her neck. This is a key difference in the comics. Yeah. Because in the comics... Peter uses his great power In completely the wrong way To save her It's not just that he was too late It's not just that he doesn't catch her His web line Is what causes Gwen Stacy's death Mm. This story Is the end of innocence for readers And it's also the end of innocence for Peter Parker This is his action He was not good enough And the thing that he did Failed in such a Spectacular way That the love of his life died He was not a good enough hero He was not a good enough Spider-Man He did not live up to his Burden of responsibility Peter Parker Has to grow up From this moment onwards And that message about using his powers Responsibly, the old Uncle Ben line Applies to things like This The responsible way to use your power to to, to to save people To help people And he has to learn to do better He has to learn how to use his power To save everyone And with The night Gwen Stacy died He learns that lesson In the most heartbreaking fashion That Responsibility is removed In this movie um, But it's very Present and kind of Overshadowing in in, in the comics Yeah
1: Whew. Five months later Peter and the Stacy family mourn the death of Gwen Remembering his love Peter watches the video of Gwen's graduation speech Inspired to continue being Spider-Man Despite blaming himself for letting her die Harry is incarcerated at Ravencroft. His associate, Gustav Fears, the gentleman, visits him and the pair discuss forming their own team. Harry orders Fears to start with with Saitovich, breaking him out of prison. Equipped with a suit of armour, Saitovich dubs himself the Rhino and rampages through the streets. Peter, inspired by Gwen's graduation speech, confronts him as Spider-Man.
0: Something that the movie did that I... Really liked and kind of wished was had been thought of and, and was in the in the the stories like that is Gwen Stacy's kind of final legacy in mm. the movie is to be inspiring.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is to works.
0: inspire through love and hope and to encourage heroism, and we don't get that in the comics. Unfortunately, she doesn't have that kind of a. Final word Has no, you know, as, as Gail Simone And lots of other very smart people pointed out Really has no agency whatsoever I really liked that little touch at the end there That mm. The last thing we see of Gwen Stacy Isn't that she died It's this inspiring speech That she gave
1: Yeah, yeah, it works So a last minute villain turning up at the end What can you, te- what can you tell us about Rhino?
0: Let's get the energy back up. Let's Yay, about death.
1: death and there's
0: no tech suit in, in in the comic book. Fire open the last image. Image four is the uh, the original rhino. Uh, oh, it's gosh. just a big dude in a rhino suit costume. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's what he is. Um, he, he appears in, in the mid '60s as a thug working for a vague Eastern Bloc country um and he has he volunteers to have this experiment that bonds a super strong polymer to his skin ah, which okay. and, and he and he and he also gets his strength and speed u- augmented as well um yeah uh, he's immediately sent off to kidnap colonel john jameson j j jameson's son ah yes the astronaut the, the astronaut um he the, somebody wants to i don't know get something from him i forget what it was um and he he fights spider man for the first time and is beaten and stuff um he is then sent after the hulk
1: <laughs> so oh, they well. they,
0: aug- they augment rhino even further they use gamma radiation to make him stronger and tougher more resilient and they 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 give him a better suit that's um yeah virtually un- indestructible um and throughout the seventies and eighties, he's a very prolific recurring villain. He acts as muscle for hire to loads of guys. He battles the Hulk and the Defenders and Punisher and Daredevil and and uh, loads more. You know, he's not exactly. Uh, he's not going to have a. It's almost like Electro, he's yeah. not calculating. He's not going to have much of a plan. You know, he's a thug. Um his superhuman speed allows him to kind of like he charges at high velocities, um and he's very, very strong and indestructible, but he 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 he's uh, doesn't have any uh, agility and he can't slow down and he has no reaction time. So <laughs> Spider-Man's very Spider-Man will just bounce out the way. Um, at some point during his villainous career, the Rhino suit becomes bonded to his skin, and he has to Ooh. live in the suit. For 20, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week And he gets very sad about it All and, uh, I can think
1: of is that scene in Ace Ventura 2 Where he gets stuck in the rhino <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in the rhino
0: There we have it folks We have put to bed the amazing Spider-Man 2 And I think we've done a, an incredible job Of really digging in deep into the, uh, the death of Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. how important it was, why it was important, and why it's important to have much better female characters in this day and age. Um, I'd like to turn things over to Will uh, now for your your final thoughts on the movie. Ah, where do I start? It's
1: it's not a great film, but it, it, like, like, like George Bingham said, it's not great, it's not terrible. It's a film that looks like it's going to delve into Spider-Man a bit more but doesn't really do anything amazing or new. Harry's motivation in this film I felt was a lot better than the original Harry Osborn but I just didn't like him as a villain. I just felt there was something wasted here. I know he he got a bit mutated and that was slightly interesting but it felt felt like he was just coming up right at the end of the third act. The other Spider-Man films had a running theme in each and I don't think this one really had anything like that. As a film with themes and, and subtext, it was quite hollow. It was a bit of a hollow film. However, as we discussed, The Death of Gwen Stacy hits the note just right here and is the strongest emotional moment in the Andrew Garfield movies. Even though I knew it happened happening and saw it coming a mile away, I still wasn't ready for it. And I know we're going to disagree, but I felt like after The Death of Gwen Stacy... Everything else afterwards just felt like it was, it was tacked on to imply that a sequel's coming and a whole franchise is developing, and I just felt they could have just ended. They could have ended it quicker.
0: I know what you mean. Mm. I will say, however, that I think it's important for. Because it's important for her last words to inspire him to carry on as a hero. Yeah, we need to see something. Doesn't it? Doesn't necessarily need to be the rhino. Could have just been him saving someone from a a, a car that's out of control or a fire or something like that. We needed to see something at the end that you do, you do. Gwen had a lasting impact.
1: I think the rhino bit just went on a bit long. Like it felt like, yeah. are, are we going to have another superhero yeah. fight now? And it's like, oh, okay, kind of. Yeah, not.
0: I agree. Um, to to talk then. Um, about Harry Osborne, and was he needed in this movie? yeah I'm... my opinion uh, I think they decided we're gonna do the death of Gwen Stacy, so it has to be a green goblin that kills her, so we have to do one of them. We don't want to do Norman Osborne. I think that's why he's there. I think they decided if we're gonna do the death of Gwen Stacy, we can't have electro killer
1: yeah it doesn't it doesn't have that same
0: sting as a long lost friend killing your girlfriend i actually feel that this movie was a lot more about harry and peter and Mm. gwen and electro feels like the odd man out really but they couldn't do that because they would just be repeating (laughs) but they did it anyway (laughs) they did it anyway they did it they they clumsily did it I remember seeing all the trailers and having no clue that there was a goblin in this movie. Although mm-hmm. Harry I, I was like this is going to be the electro movie and I was like well kind of it's a couple of fights and that's it. Yeah. Like I I don't know what I want like if you take Harry Osborn out of this movie <clears throat> I don't think it particularly is as good or works because the electro stuff I think is pretty weak. Yeah. But equally I don't really want to see more Harry Osborn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so so close to the, to the Raimi movies. So I don't really know. I'm in a in a in a in a quandary here about that one. Mm. What do you think? I think.
1: Oh god, it's, it, it, you can You can't. They got. They had to do the death of Gwen Stacy because it was like the major. It's a major plot point to do. They didn't but, have to. Well, I, I I think to make it interesting, you kind of had to. I mean, obviously there were loads of other things, but they weren't too far into the Garfield franchise. Sorry, not that Garfield franchise. The other, <laughs> you know, the Garfield, Andrew Garfield series. The thing
0: about the death of Gwen Stacy, though, is that really the mm. <coughs> the creatively satisfying part of it is the aftermath and what happens to Peter Parker in his in his you know going forward over the next mm. year or so. Um. Anyway, I. I. I don't think they understand comic books at the end of the day. Um. Your favourite piece of trivia from this episode, Will? Uh, your favourite piece of comic book trivia. Oh, I
1: mean, <clears throat> I. I have to. I have to. I have to say, apart from <laughs> the Osborne family's horrible hair, which is <laughs> just. That's going to be in my mind. I, I think the one that sticks out has to be the death of Gwen Stacy with that little snap. Oof. It's just, yeah. that's, you, you know, I, I have this conversation every now and again where people go, ah, you know, you've got to read the book instead of watching the film. And I sometimes say, ah, sometimes comics you know, do something that films and books can't. And that oh, is a I moment right a yeah. where it's just subtle enough, hardly in plain sight. I-
0: I tell you what you're spared in this mm. movie is what to me is this hor- – it's really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horrible is not whether it's really hor- – so what you're spared in the movie is Peter Parker celebrating that he saved her.
1: Yes. Oh, he is, God, yeah. He's pulling yes. her up,
0: and he's like, like, oh, I, I saved your baby, and everything's going to be – it's so – and you know, what- you know what's coming, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Marvel know how to break your heart Um, Reading list There's a a great epic collection Called The Goblin's Last Stand Which collects about 20 issues Of Amazing Spider-Man All around the night that Gwen Stacy died And and, and, uh, Norman Osborn dying as well that's pretty good. Um, uh, Spider Man Blue is a modern, well, 1990s story about Peter Parker reflecting on this period of time and his relationship with Gwen Stacy. And it writes Gwen in a nicer, better way than you get in the 60s. Um, for that cool Harry Osborn death thing that I talked about, um, it's a really—I mean, unfortunately, it has never been collected anywhere. <laughs> um, it's called Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume One, Issue Two Hundred, Best of Enemies by a writer called J.M. Um and uh, you can't—you can't get it in a trade paperback collection. Uh, but I believe that you can should be able to look it up if you've got access to Marvel Unlimited. Please, please, please don't use Amazon To buy your comic books They're very, very bad for comic book shops And the industry, Um, search out Your local comic book store, there'll be one near you A bricks and mortar store that you can walk to Drive to, or you can look Online for a a proper small business That buys and sells comic books that will deliver to your house They'll take credit cards and PayPal And all that kind of stuff, be a great experience Just like Amazon, you might have to wait an extra couple of days To get your comic, but it's not a big deal Um, Or of course there's Marvel Unlimited Which for a low, low price, give you Access to digital you know comics That you can uh, read on your tablets and your phones And your laptops and everything Join us in our next episode as we go Back to the MCU It's time for a Volume 2 of Guardians Of the Galaxy Thanks for listening To Marvel vs Marvel Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe Leave a great review, give us 5 stars Why not recommend us to a friend That loves Marvel Check out our sponsors at offworldtees.com. And for more bonus content, head to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel.